0: Well, you can knock me down, spit in my face, call me an asshole in a big shit face, do anything that you want to do, but uh uh, honey, sell, get
1: off my fucking shoes! <laughs> <That's our baby>. <laughs> babu? <laughs>
2: babu? No, Babu, listen, listen, babu. listen, listen. Go on. Hold on. <laughs> yes, you're talking to Big Felix the Cat Sal, and that's how I feel about your Elvis imitation.
0: Vavoom! Oh. Wow, Mike right. here with Vavoom and
3: Sam Samino.
0: We're uh, we're gonna be silly today because oh. I'm I'm three beers in. Yeah. Ooh. I have some good Czech var. That's delicious Czech Pilsner.
3: What were you singing? Call you a shithead and a yeah. fucking asshole. Or like that?
0: That's my take uh, of uh, "Blue Suede Shoes" yeah, by Carl Perkins.
3: Yeah, but
2: you, you know what today is? You know what today is? Today's Stay famous by Elvis. today Today's Mike's day because we had just came from lunch, <laughs> uh-huh. and this waitress out of nowhere comes and tells us, "Yeah, I just hate everybody." <laughs>
0: I'm like, bravo, bravo.
2: And that's one of Mike's favorite lines. That's why today is officially
1: I Mike Day. I hate people.
2: <laughs> and he got two new tats.
0: Tell us about it, Mikey. Oh, yeah. I got some new ink, uh, some band logos, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of my favorite bands of all time. I've been wanting to get these for years. But, uh, you know, COVID and bills and this and that. <laughs> 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 Okay, <laughs> so that's uh, I got Judas Priest logo, and I got Troubles logo on my arms. Oh. <laughs> Love those bands.
3: Yeah. Awesome. We it also saw some it. movies this week, too. The yeah. Last couple weeks.
0: Yeah, I've seen some good ones in the theaters right now. There's, there's two good ones. There's probably going to be some more in October. You got the new Halloween coming.
3: Ooh, I can't wait for that. The last I can't Halloween. I can't wait for that.
0: Should be cool. But, uh, yeah, I've seen Pearl which is the prequel to X mm-hmm. and I seen barbarian and whew, man, one of the best horror films I've seen in a long time. Barbarian was top notch
3: barbarian. I saw that too. And I loved
0: it from start to finish. Uh, it's just spot on. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's entertaining as fuck. There's a lot of humor. Uh, we yeah. don't, we're not going to spoil it that
3: much. Will you knock it off with the phone sound effects? We're better to... than phone sound effects into a microphone. Stop it.
0: What are you? Damn it, you? Is that Hanna Barbera or who is that?
2: It's Hanna Barbera. I love Vavoom. Anyway, a- anyway,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dudes. Now you got me talking about cartoons. Remember the old Warner Brothers with uh, Hassan Chop? It was the big Arab guy with the big sword, and he would chase bugs.
2: Oh, the the, the one the one who was a magician?
0: No, he was he was like uh, Middle Eastern. You'd be you go, go Hassan chop.
2: I, I don't remember that. I just remember I just <laughs> he was he was he was messing with with uh, with uh, Bugs Bunny, and, and he he was a magician, and he put him in a rabbit's hat, um. and he'd go ruta Vuta, Broop.
3: <laughs> anyway, sorry dudes, we're in drink. I'm
0: drinking. I, I, hey, Sal's always kind of messed up in the brain, though. Yeah. Anyway, so back bah-boom. to
3: Barbarian, we were talking about. Yeah, it, it was, it's Barbarian is great if you know nothing about it, like yeah. I did. Don't I know nothing about trailers. it. I know nothing. I saw Don't, one trailer and it didn't give away anything. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Don't
0: read the reviews. Just Sa- go see it,
2: Mikey. Sammy, Sammy, when we was when we were tree weighing with a uh, texting, and Sammy said he's seen Barbarian, and I looked up the um, the. Uh, it's
0: not a Conan film.
2: No, I looked up the uh, uh, the uh, clip, the trailer. It gave nothing away. It, it told you nothing. It gave Good. you nothing. It, 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 like Sammy said, it was a magnificent.
0: But it got me interested so bad.
2: I don't know what got my attention to it. I'm like, what Good. the fuck? Well,
0: I think it's a pretty fresh idea for a film. Yeah. And uh, well,
2: well, I'm a huge Justin Long fan. I love Justin Long, man. He's cool. He, ever since, ever since, uh, 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 Drag Me to Hell and um, yeah, right. and Jeepers Creepers, he's got some really yeah. funny parts
3: in this one too. Yeah, like, he's, he's hilarious. It, it, in this Justin one. Long
2: did he made jeepers creepers almost as much as a creeper he he was so on the money with his with his part man him and his sister they just
3: came out with a jeepers creepers reborn i heard it's terrible i i i Uh, i I, I seen it was bad it's not
0: with the original creeper right oh it's
3: not i don't think so i I haven't seen any trailers for that either and it's not
0: it's not the controversial director either oh Oh, no uh, victor uh, silva yeah
3: yeah that guy got blacklisted oh good Good. As but, he but, should, but yeah. but he
2: but Justin Long man, he he couldn't have they couldn't have had a better person playing that. He was great and dragged me to hell. Um, I, he's just done so much shit. I I really dig him. He's cool.
3: And Bill Skarsgård, he's kind of a creepy dude. Like oh, the yeah, way he, he looks, was. you know. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. for sure. I'll, I mean, he was the best Pennywise. not the best Pennywise, but he was a great Pennywise.
3: And Richard Brake is also yeah. great. I gotta watch That's it. I did, I did not. Yeah. I did not see his part coming at all. Oh, you yeah. didn't yes. see it
2: uh, If you, you
0: guys are on Instagram and Facebook, you could see the short little video that Cell has with him. Yeah, because we met him at the last con.
2: Yeah, but but same. I'm sorry. So you
3: you didn't know he was in it, or you just didn't didn't. Well, I knew that he was in it, but I didn't know like you know he kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind yeah. of a yeah. I don't want to give anything away here, but yeah, yeah. It, was re- it was really good. Yeah. And, yeah, and
2: and I gotta say, Kate Bosworth, I, I love her movies, dude. Even that stupid surfing movie I have to watch hers. Blue, uh, um, what was it? Uh, she, Michelle Rodriguez was in it with her. Um, She's just
3: uh, like a voice on the phone in this one. though. Oh, right? she is. Um, I don't think I, you ever really see her on screen. I don't remember her being in this movie at all. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what? Did you I ever think she's actually going out with Justin Long? Is she? Yeah.
2: Mike, did you know she has one blue eye and one green eye? No. Yep. She's she's uh she's one of uh, there a lot of or I'm sorry, there's a few in between uh, uh millions of people that
0: have that. It's cool. Yeah. That guy, that guy gets around, man. He died. He was with Drew Barrymore for years. Justin Long. Yeah.
3: Oh, Drew Barrymore. She can kiss my ass. <laughs> what? I don't... She's
2: annoying. I, I, I...
3: But, yeah, by the way, this is d- written and directed by uh, Zach Krager from The Whitest Kids You Know. You ever seen that? Never heard I've, of it.
0: I've seen it many years ago.
3: It's very goofy. Like, the kind of thing where he's like, hey, what do you got there? Oh, gallon of PCP. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, he was also in uh, a funny movie that I like uh, to recommend for a comedy, at least, is uh, Miss March. Have you ever seen that? Never, Never heard of it. it. Kind of like about it. It's about a dude that is like, uh, he's about to loses virginity and instead he like he falls down the stairs and he's in a coma for like 10 years.
0: <laughs> mm. I like I like movie. a good sex comedy every now and then.
3: This is the one for you then, my friend. Like
0: my generation sex uh, comedy was American Pie.
3: Craig Robinson, by the way, he plays a dude. He's, his name is Mpeg. <laughs> what the hell? Anthony loves this dude. They keep being like, um, excuse me, Dick," and he's like, Dot Mpeg.
2: <laughs> is, is Sammy, is he the, is he the Domino's pizza of, guy? Yeah,
0: he has yeah. pizza commercials now. He's
2: funny, dude. I don't care what everybody says. He's funny. I get a kick out of it. He's great on game. The Office. <laughs> i never seen that. I never of, seen like, The, the Judd Office Cell, no, no. so, get on yeah. it. What is half doing in there?
3: He's, it's a movie about um, the one dude, uh, Trevor Moore, he's like really into the Playboy uh, mansion, mm-hmm. so they're trying to get into the Playboy mansion because uh, <laughs> this dude who was about to lose his virginity with his girlfriend becomes a Playboy playmate. Nice. <laughs> so, let's see, the 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 exact premise, it says, uh, Eugene believes in no sex before marriage, so did his girlfriend Cindy. His best friend <laughs> forever loves sex. At senior prom, just before sex with Cindy, he falls into a coma Waking up four years later, his Cindy is Miss March in Playboy. Can he get her back?
0: <laughs>
3: That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, fun little movie. Check that out.
0: Well, I mean, uh, so he he directed uh, Barbarian, Zach Greger, mm-hmm. and phew, man, he did a great job for like probably his first horror film.
3: Yeah, there's a good like uh, so good. like sketch comedy to horror pipeline with you know like uh, Jordan Peele, sure guys like that.
2: Oh yeah. Sam, was he, was he in that movie where they all played themselves and the, the Earth was coming to an end? No. Well, Craig Robinson was. was. Oh, Craig yeah. Robinson this is, was. The, this is end. the end. Ah, okay.
3: Yeah. <sighs> but, Mike, you said you saw Pearl,
2: too. Pearl how was that?
0: was amazing. It, I think I like Pearl better than X. Really? Yeah. Mia Goth. <laughs> so, what?
3: what
2: without giving too much away, Mikey, what's the dealio?
0: It's the prequel to X. So, uh, same director, Ty West, who is amazing. Check out his body of work. Um, It's how... It's a story about Pearl, her, you know, growing up, and uh, you know, if you've seen X, then you know she's a fucking nutcase. But this is her in her younger years.
3: You saw uh, X, right? So
2: yeah, I, I watched. I, I watched it uh, about two months ago. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, she's the old lady in here. Oh, she's oh, yeah, the young girl. Yes, but yeah. she also plays the old lady, and that's the, how the Pearl is the story of how the old lady became. Yeah, how yeah, she but, was. You, yeah right. but you know what though? Pearl.
2: There's something about crazy girls that's alluring to me. Oh, she plays a good crazy yeah. girl in this one. Y- you know why?
0: Because you never
2: know what they're up to, man. Ne- you'll never know what they're up to. They could they could feel sorry for you, they could cry. Like like the like the uh, one of the greatest um oh, what's that movie where the trains on the uh it's all ice now. Um, we froze over. Um I can't think of it. Uh there was this nutty chick on that and there would be times where she'd want to kill everybody and there'd be times like, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, save Mike and Sammy and blah blah blah. You know, kind of like Kate Bosworth, Bosworth movies. I, the domestics. Did you see that, Mikey? It was. It was. uh, uh I can't ever say it. You're really, apocalyptic. You're really
3: into Kate
1: Bosworth this oh, last I couple love weeks. Kate oh yeah. Hello.
2: <laughs> I, I really don't know her body of work. Oh yeah, she's pretty good. Blue Crush. She was in this stupid movie with uh, Blue Crush. She was a surfer with Michelle Rodriguez, and uh yeah, yeah. she was. She was a little fucked up, but. Whatever, but I like her horror movies. So
0: at the end of Pearl, you get to see a little teaser for the next one called Maxine.
3: Yeah, three X's. Yeah, yes. but this girl looks like she's
0: 12. No. no. How old is she? She is very much an adult. Mm.
3: Maxine is supposed to be as the uh, the younger girl from X. Yeah. Ah, that she plays. Ah. Correct? Yeah.
0: It was a good one. You should you should go see Pearl it's still in theaters and Barbarian, of course, Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. make you never ever want to spend a night in an Airbnb ever again.
2: <laughs> okay, that, that scene right there. Is for one our one that you
3: don't want to see is um don't go see the monsters. Yeah, oh, that's God, on Netflix. No. We all saw that, right? I
0: actually did see it. <laughs> is is it on Netflix or so anything? Um I think Tomorrow. it comes out on like Tuesday or Tomorrow. something like yeah, Tomorrow. Yeah, you know
2: it's bad if it comes <sighs> out right away.
0: It's dude okay. I under I knew it wasn't gonna be good, but I didn't know it was gonna be that bad. Like it's obviously PG, it's not funny it's silly and hokey and but it's supposed lame. to be funny right it's supposed to be a comedy but i didn't laugh once
3: yeah it was uh, it not it missed the mark i did like yeah. the kind of the color scheme for a lot of it though the color was scheme cool. was awesome yeah. the lighting the, the lighting was is awesome. interesting there were some cool it,
0: sets on it it does look like a porn parody
3: <laughs> it does definitely yeah but you know what you it's it's it's
2: rob zombie you can't take him seriously man
3: there was some cool stuff like Count Orlock was pretty cool. He had a oh, cool cut yeah. played by Richard Brake again. Richard Brake is in it again. Yeah, I I,
2: I, I, I zoomed through it and I just wanted to see my girl Sherry because she's just oh, um, uh, you know and and, and I see my guy Richard Brake and he he was uh, what 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 he uh, was he like a. Doctor Von... yeah, Doctor yeah, he was like some or doctor okay. or something like that, yeah, and and I I I was really disappointed because I like seeing him as a maniac man, he yeah. he, he did, you know, I wish I wish Rob wouldn't have done that because, like I said, they took Richard Break out of his out of his you know role, you know, I want to see him, you know, Seth wants to see this.
1: I'm not crazy. I'm in control. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: That's right. That's right. That's my guy. But, but
0: anyway, folks, today. We are continuing our conversation about The Warrens and The Conjuring Universe. Today we're covering The Conjuring Part 2, The Enfield Poltergeist. This is Fact and Fiction in The Conjuring Universe Part 5. We've got so much more to talk about The Warrens, and uh, we're going to dive into it pretty deep today.
3: Some fun ones for October.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's Absolutely. coming up. Yeah.
2: For our viewers, uh, uh, um we, we have a, the big screen in front of us, obviously, and there's this little girl in in the midair. It looks like she's, you know, like the double-ass her, and there's another little girl screaming. <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, are famous pictures from this I case. I would love to see that.
0: <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening and streaming and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and you can write us an email. Sam, what's the email?
3: Last three rows of horror at gmail.com.
0: All right, let's jump in. Sam, take us away.
3: All right, well... Following the Perrin's blood-curdling encounter with the Satan-worshiping witch Bathsheba Sherman in the first installment of The Conjuring series, and the Lutz's controversial case portrayed in the beginning of The Conjuring 2, and-, and Lorraine Warren reluctantly agreed to investigate a strange case of paranormal disturbances in 1977, Enfield, London, which was referred to by the local media as England's Amityville. So the Warrens are invited to London to team up with paranormal investigator Morris Gross and skeptic Anita Gregory to meet the working class single mother Peggy Hodgson, who along with her four children find themselves being terrorized by what can only be described as intent poltergeist activity. The activity focuses its energy on Peggy's 11-year-old daughter, Janet, after she plays with a Ouija board and is targeted for possession. Oh, yeah, boy. Hey, hey, Sammy? Yeah. That music? Don't do that. Are you a scared?
2: <laughs> I'm a scared. Make him sell
1: scared. He might piss his pants.
3: So just to get this out of the way um, at the beginning here, um, much like Norm McDonald and Deuce Bigelow, male <laughs> gigolo, in real life, Ed and Lorraine Warren only visited the house in Enfield for one day when they arrived uninvited and attempted to convince the investigators that they can make <laughs> a lot of money off collaborating with them. Hey, can we come in? <laughs> That's a great part, Norm McDonald and Deuce Bigelow, by the way. He's like, if you don't pay me now... I'm going to take the swizzle stick, and I'll be shoving that right up your people.
0: <laughs> Norm. God, I missed Norm already. He, he was great. What does he, he say? He's peace. trying
3: to sell Rob Schneider some drinks, or Rob Schneider orders a drink, and he's like, that'll be $8. And he's like, what? No, I just want a beer then. And he hands him a beer. He's like, that'll be $17. He's like, the beer the beer was 9 <laughs> I
0: love dirty work. Yeah. And uh, oh, God. What was the one he did with uh, Chappelle? Oh, um, screwed. Uh, screwed is funny. Yeah. That was
3: with Danny DeVito.
0: He plays almost like a <laughs> penguin
3: type character. He's <laughs> yes. the mortician or uh, the yeah. morgue guy. Yeah, that was awesome. So halfway uh, through, uh, we're about halfway, probably through our fact and fiction in the Conjuring series. I just wanted to know what do you, what are your guys' opinions on Ed and Lorraine after we've covered some of these cases? Like we I, said, you know, I, they failed on a couple of them. I don't didn't care get the job
2: done. I, I don't care the 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 whole thing with them. Brought us some fantastic horror movies. She's a creepy looking old lady, but him, I, I, I'd like to punch him right in his face because you could just tell. I said this before in a, a couple of podcasts before. He's totally a car salesman, man. He's so full of shit. <laughs> but I would definitely believe her only because I was mentioning it to Mikey quite a few times. I love that older look, uh, Sammy. I, it's, there's something creepy about it. Look, like look what she's wearing now. She's got that 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 almost looks like a like a fucking napkin kind of thing around her neck with the big thing.
0: Dude, what kind they, of Victorian they, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they 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 kind of freaks me out a little bit. It kind, of, it kind of makes me scared. In the height of their day, they probably came off as more believable. Yeah, and like more credited, like because uh, they were involved in some crazy stories and events. And I think it's really cool. They definitely are trendsetters and pioneers of paranormal investigation. Oh, definitely. But looking at their body of work. Now in 2022, they come off as phonies.
2: Yeah, but you got to remember, Mike, when, the time that this happened, man. Around this time, the Ouija boards were huge, the terror people, the psychics. Man, them things were popping up, and everybody's you like, what? "What is that?"
3: You know what blame. is that? And also keep in mind that this is, you know, this is the 70s here, which we've yeah. been talking about. In 1973, The yeah. Exorcist came out. Both, yeah. the, you know, the movie and the book was out. Yeah, so people were loving that shit. You they, know,
0: they, you got to blame Zach Baggins for everything. He's ruined. <laughs> he's ruined ghost. Uh, Bro. Bro, I'm scared, bro. bro. Hold me close. Come on out, bro. Hold me closer, bro. You, you got a problem, ghost? You, you want to fucking roll? You want you know you want you wanna throw down, ghost? Huh?
2: Well, well, I, all I can say for these <laughs> show th- yourself. <laughs> all I can say is for these two, that 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 old, that old scene being there at the right place at the right time. These two did it, man. Yeah. Right at the right time. Right, you know the year was. Everybody was smoking weed. There I'll was tell you what. Of- I'm
0: you know you know me. I'm a believer. So yeah. I think were they involved in. Uh, some, some crazy shit with ghosts and paranormal absolutely yeah I mean, yeah. some great stories and you know cuz 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 if you think
3: tall tales. i think it might have been about 50-50 with them maybe you think yeah, so yeah.
2: yeah because if you guys if you two guys think about it the 50s and late 50s were uh were the, there was the great some of the greatest all-time classic horror movies that were were that were you know that was their birth you know of 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 horror i i that's the way i think about it anyway a lot of damn good driving kind of films we're in the 50s and then you get and then you come to the 60s it seemed like everything disappeared and then the 70s start with 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 the, uh paranormal shit. uh uh exorcist you know behind behind uh um uh what was it behind the door or something like that uh they, they they tried ripping off the exorcist which scared the shit out of me and then these two you know the perfect time perfect place perfect time man
3: yeah All right. So the true story of the Enfield poltergeist made the front page of the national newspaper 10 days after the activity began in 1977 and an enormous amount of anomalous activity took place over a period of some 18 months between 1977 and 1978. Much of it tape recorded and photographed by experienced professional photographers, and uh, for this we use the uh, our source for today is "This House Is Haunted: The Ooh. Amazing Inside Story of the Enfield Poltergeist" by Guy Lyon Playfair. Uh, Guy Lyon uh, Playfair was a British writer best known for his books about parapsychology and his investigations in the uh, possessions in Brazil. And of course, of the Enfield Poltergeist, from which his participation is completely erased from the Conjuring Two. It's kind of weird how they did that. I don't know if it was like a copyright issue, because you know they might have to give him some money for using like his source material. Sure. What,
2: my, you I know, like why, why did it? Why does that happen?
3: Why? Can, I mean, why? Did, there's always got to be money.
2: somebody fucking dipping their hands in the in the fucking cookie jar. Money. It all comes
0: down to money.
3: Yeah, but he was a big investigator on this case, right? The,
0: yeah. uh, they You know, this yeah. movie studio doesn't have to give everybody credit. Maybe he asked for too much or he wanted, uh, you know, rights to this and that, ancillary rights, they call it. I don't know if that's in film, but it's definitely with music. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they, I mean, movie studio can cut anybody out.
3: And that's part of the reason why they ended up, you know, like I said, the the Warrens only worked on this case for like one day, literally. It was weird that they would, you know, make a whole movie about their participation in it. When, uh, but it seemed like, the, you know, the, uh, the studio just didn't have the rights for a lot of the the Warrens. You 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 think they just stories. Sammy? You think they just made a bad decision, or do you think they just
2: figured nobody's going to back us up
3: with uh, just not including guy Just just, just for the
2: one day for the one day investigation? Which sounds so which sounds so weird because they they're portrayed as of now in the 2020 they're, they're portrayed as like saviors of the year
3: yeah and, that's and, what i was saying like <laughs> like the war the the conjuring series is kind of like the warrens as christian superheroes yeah yeah <laughs> no it, I, it,
2: it's cool the way sammy said that because that, that's the way it, it you know it is to me but like i said one day man i mean that just mm-hmm. sounds like they just blew the into town and just wanted to go get gas somewhere and figured let's knock out this ghost and if we don't get them fuck them
0: you know what i feel like singing more elvis
2: Go for it. You, you, you could do that,
0: Mikey. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, I'm all fucked up.
2: <laughs> I, I I got one thing okay. to say
3: to that, Michael. You love it.
0: Baboom! <laughs>
3: <laughs> so a little closer to a uh, guy Playfair's book is this house is ha- I'm sorry the Enfield haunting. uh You guys ever seen this? as a three part dramatization of real events.
0: This looks like a hallmark. Okay, show. okay, that picture. <laughs> it's actually
3: not that bad. It's a BBC. Oh, Th-
2: that baby.
0: picture, that little
2: girl in the middle, Sammy. That's wrong, buddy. That is so fucking wrong. I, <laughs> I, that, that's so disturbing to me. I, I can't deal with that shit, man. I, 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 because you know, you know, Mikey. Huh. One of the worst movies. How could I say this to you? One of the one of when I first watched. Um, oh, what was that movie with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um,
3: oh, Pee Wee Herman's
0: <laughs> Electric Boogaloo.
1: No, what's it? Breaking Two. What's oh, come on,
2: come on. Uh, you know what the thing I went.
0: Uh, grudge, grudge.
2: When I first seen the Grudge, I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This movie sucked." And when I went to bed, that see the night, original,
0: the Jewon. Oh, I
2: did, yeah. I did. So, so, so when I went to bed, it bothered me so much because I heard it. Uh, and 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 you know what scared the shit out of me out of the whole fucking movie? That little bastard kid when 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 no. they were in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, when they're in the elevator and they pass them, and then and then when when they smudge out. The image of people, especially children Like this, like what my nephew has up now Dude, that bothers me mm-hmm. Actually, I think I just peed That kind of looks like Michael
3: Myers' mask When he's in the prison, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Danny Trejo gets killed by him No,
4: Mikey, no! He's got... I got you a
0: Snickers, Mikey! <laughs> I got you a Snickers He's got, he's got a, bi- a biography out now It's a book you can get it at libraries <laughs> All about his life. <laughs> he's yeah. probably he's he's got he's a cookbook had a, he's too. He's had a crazy life. Oh, Sammy. Sammy. he's <laughs> got Trajos Tacos too. Yeah, Sammy. he's <laughs> got a cookbook.
2: <laughs> Trails did Michael this. Myers kill him with a TV?
3: I think he, I no, no, he drowned him, didn't he? Oh, no, he, he, he smashed he, his face, he, he drowned he him, and then he him. killed him with a TV. There's like two, there's he, two he,
2: versions of that. Oh my God, Mikey, Mikey, he, he beats the fuck out of him, he throws him on the floor, he drowns him, and then he kills him with a TV. <laughs> okay. Why don't you just stab me, dude? Why do you got to do all that violence? <laughs>
1: Bigalito, no.
3: <laughs> you know what? This is good timing because I figured, Mike, we could use your uh, Jason Statham for in- oh, introducing this. We're, this bringing is us uh, on retirement. Huh? Yes, this is pretty funny here. This is exactly what guy writes in, in his author's preface of the book. Uh, this house is haunted. Maybe you want to go ahead and read that.
1: All right, here we go. Bringing out the douchebag. Here we go. <laughs> Before I get down to a thud-by-crash account of all the activity and excitement, a word of caution is needed. (laughs) If you are not sated by all the horrors and occult titillations of books (laughs) or films such as The Exorcist and its host of imitators and are still hungry for more exotic thrills, then this book is not for you. Readers may find some of it rather dull, with a not very good plot and some terrible dialogue. This is because this house is haunted, plot, dialogue, and all is true. And while truth may be stranger than fiction, as indeed it can be, it is also far less well organized. It can be very repetitive, even monotonous, so if you are tired of all the over-dramatized versions of what were sometimes true events and would like to know what really happens on a poltergeist case from start to finish in some detail, please read on. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like
3: one big run-on sentence. He's like, this book is not very good. I was drunk while writing I, I, almost, I almost <laughs> thought he was running out of breath. <laughs>
0: No, he, unfortunately,
3: you he can hear his breath and everything he does. This is a full. This is a fun book, though. He says it's pretty dull, but there are
2: there's some awesome shit going it's on. A in bloody it. But but, but see me, but Sammy, you know what? Uh, your aunts, there's so many of your aunts. Your grandpa, uh, Mikey, just so many people. There's a horde of people that always tell me that. Uh, the books are scarier than any movie or any anything else out there. Yeah, I I I, I, I tried,
3: dude. I tried. A I lot try. of times, things have to get watered down for movies. You know? Yeah.
0: No, I'll uh, tell you this: what, no Stephen King book has ever been adapted well to film.
2: You, yeah. Now, I now I heard that my 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 neighbor's wife, uh, she was a huge Stephen King fan, had every book there was, and when when. Um, uh, misery came out she said Sal, th- that's nothing compared to the book right i go are you kidding me when 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 she fucking knocked his 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 ankles in with that board dude but but she said she said in the book she just didn't kill the uh sheriff she ran him over with a lawnmower <laughs> dude yeah. dude i mean i mean i mean I, I is the book more explicit according to all you guys oh yeah hell yeah but i i, I I want to see it I don't sinister read I't want
3: really disturbing lawnmower death oh yeah remember it just comes out of yeah. nowhere and it's like wow
2: but 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 Sammy <laughs> but Sammy uh, d- d- give me give me a percentage because your my nephew is such a huge book reader Sammy give me a percentage of d- 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 like if like if somebody said okay Sam for one month straight you could watch every horror movie even the newest ones in the year 2023 or we will give you any book you want and you could read it as long as you want, it, but you'd only have to read 10, and then you could watch... It. Would, would you rather read a book than, than watch movies? I'd probably watch the movies, honestly. <laughs> yeah? I, because, because you know, it, it always just seems to me everybody says there's so much more to it. Uh, even you, Mikey, you said it's more detailed. Oh, yeah. Well, there
3: is. I'd say the that the the Conjuring movie of this case probably covers 10% of it, not even. Seriously? Yeah, there's a lot of crazy shit.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. If, if I was trapped and right. say like it was just crazy snow outside, I'm trapped in a cabin for like a month, I would love to just read books. That'd be a good time yeah, to read some books.
2: I, I mean, I love I love reading. Y- you know what? You know what? I I j- my you know I
3: just my my. Sometimes it's creepier to let your mind now, see, wander yeah, with books too. You know, now, see, to now, form now,
2: its own story. Now, now, Mike. Now, Mike. Did you what he just said? Did you what he just said? Yeah. I'll never forget my sister. God rest of her soul. Uh, uh she she um how could i say this she uh her her she was she used to live upstairs from us and we'd lived on the second or the first floor and she asked me to uh, go get her her book for, for for high school and you know what it was it was the exorcist book and on the back it showed uh raven uh raven? uh huh Reagan. I'm sorry. What did I say? Raven. I'm sorry. Reagan. It it had Reagan with, it had like a green tint to her eyes on the back of this book. Hmm. And I looked at it and that scared the living shit out of me. That's how I was introduced to to, to the exorcist. There were some really cool exorcist posters. Yeah, there was. I too. So I I didn't, they, they weren't out yet, Mike. The posters weren't even out yet. Uh, so so that I seen or the newspapers because I remember newspapers had all the, all the big articles, but when she get, when she told me go get that book and I seen that book I fucking put that motherfucker right back down I said go get it yourself
3: that's <laughs> Iosmios <it>. that, <laughs> get your own book that scared the
2: <laughs> shit out of me man that little picture Mike Did you make the sign of the cross
0: dude Iosmios dude are <laughs> no, no
2: man the, the, the only thing, dude the, the only thing I could do and say was. Boom! <laughs> sorry, Mikey. <laughs> My ears are ringing. Thanks for that. But 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 all kidding. Uh, so, sorry, Sammy C. But but seriously, dude, I I see what you guys are saying. I'm sorry, man. I'm just a dead stupid, well, big we, head dude. It's, it's I gotta see that. Today's generation,
0: we constantly need a screen in front of our face. Yeah, people, people have forgotten how, the idiot but, TV. Well, people yeah. have forgotten how good books can be.
3: Yeah. Well, speaking of books, uh, throughout this series, we'll be referring to the eight stages of a poltergeist haunting as taken from Rupert Matthews' book Poltergeist, which I've been reading, it covers some good ones. Um, it's got a lot of it's well researched. he uh, covers like the, you know, the bell witch, mm. some other older mm. ones like that. Mm. Uh it basically he covers many of the different characteristics of what he would now consider to be the classic poltergeist haunting. Um, He doesn't necessarily subscribe to the common poltergeist theories of ghosts or psychokinesis, but instead offers many other possible explanations, such as fraud and misidentification. Uh, Within the book, he covers historic and modern cases, investigations, and scientific experiments as well as famous early mediums and fraudsters and he concludes that there are generally eight stages to an idealized poltergeist visitation or a haunting where fraud has not been detected by the way i also learned that harry houdini kind of like debunked frauds and stuff like you know he like I he learned that. how yeah. they you know their tricks how they and it. how did yeah. it he yeah. even took people to court for like you know when he could find out their tricks wow. well kind of like you, different you, mediums you know who else did that
2: uh copperfield did that really Copperfield yeah he was known for you know uh you know a lot of people were uh, you know as many fans as he had Michael he a lot, he had a lot of people write into him hey man you know you're a fake you're full of shit blah 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 i seen this guy Sam Samino, and he tried making the house disappear and it was on tv and dude you can do anything on tv so so he got this organization organization together you know for guys that that pull stupid shit like that and cuz a lot of people didn't care for um Oh, what's his name? They they thought they. A lot of people thought he was the double, uh, the young, the youngest magician, the rock and roll guy, uh, Chris Angel. Chris Chris Angel.
4: Angel. Now, (laughs) now,
2: now, now, I don't care what anybody. When he first got, dude, I love that dude.
0: He was awesome. Eh, Douchey. No, why? Why? Why did him and David Blaine? They just come off as lame. Really?
3: You just, would, I see
2: I, I look I mean, at their
0: magic.
3: I don't give a fuck.
2: A lot of the I
1: stuff think, that
3: David Blaine does seems like kind of endurance contests early yeah, on is I what mean, he was I'll, doing.
0: I'll be honest with you. I think there's a big difference between, like, magicians and illusionists. And I, I, I think of them as illusionists. Uh, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I don't know. Like, there's no showmanship. Copperfield was a fucking showman. Yeah.
2: yeah so was yeah. Houdini. Uh, you, Houdini. <laughs> He he was real, because I know Should, for, the amazing I, Jonathan was better than David Blaine. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that he was fun. That they had they had a guy come in on um oh uh, what's that what's that series where where they they buy stuff and Pawn Stars Pawn Stars they had uh, some guy brought in Houdini's handcuffs. Oh cool. And and they had you know how they always had the experts there and they're like you know hey Sammy is this real? Yeah it is. But you know what you know what he said really dropped the price on them. The guy didn't have the key. Oh. He didn't have the heated handcuffs, and he said that would have been the most one of the most because it was so old. Houdini doesn't need a
3: key, bitch. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's what he should have said. But, 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 but they, but a lot of people thought Houdini was a magician and an escape artist. He wasn't. Do you know he, how he, Houdini he died?
3: How'd he die? He got shot with a cannonball, right?
0: No, I think he was punched. He oh. was He was punched in the gut, and like days later, he died.
3: Oh man! He, I think it was because he took too many cannonballs
0: to the stomach, right? He, something like you know, that. He,
2: you know, he probably hit, like an aneurysm or something, right, Mikey? You
0: think or something? Well, if, if your if did, inner like organs, man, if I mean, if you get hit hard enough in the gut, you're you're, you're going down. Yeah, mm. yeah. The democ
2: But I don't. I don't know why a lot of a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, old posters and signs, or, or even books on Houdini, you'd see the world's greatest escape artist slash magician. He wasn't a magician; he was an escape. He was an escape artist, He's illusionist. You know, I mean, but he was the real thing, man. He really got oh, yeah. out that got oh, out of that
0: shit. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, so some of the stuff we're going to be talking about in today's episode, uh, we'll just go through some of these stages right at the beginning here. The beginning of Poltergeist activity, stage one. Uh, The activity usually begins uh, faintly registered sounds. This is usually a scratching noise, which may be disregarded as being made by rodents or the sound of water pipes. Uh, These noises are usually only heard at night. Uh, stage 2, which is other noises, these sounds will then become harder to ignore. These noises resemble knocks, uh, I'm sorry, knuckles knocking on wood and other objects such as glass. Sometimes very loud cracking or unexplained banging noises are heard, but this is less likely. Objects can sometimes be felt to vibrate. At this stage, the activity may also be heard during daylight hours. So moving on to stage 3, which is moving objects, Uh, Matthews does state that sometimes stage 3 begins at the same time as stage 1 or 2. Objects may be moved inexplicably. Stone throwing or lithobolia is very common. Objects may disappear and reappear. This activity usually focuses around a certain type of object, such as a specific ornament or keys. Uh, It's rare to actually see the item be moved, and items may be hot to the touch immediately thereafter. So stage four is apports and disapports. Remember like we were talking about with the blood orange on the parent episode? Yeah. So when an object appears from out of nowhere, it's called an apport. Uh, when an object disappears into oblivion, it's called a disapport. Uh, these types of activities are extremely rare but have been reported. Also sometimes, remember we were talking about mediums who just hiding shit up their pussy? Oh,
0: God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like these these words like apports and disapports, this is shit that like the Warrens probably came up with. No, this has been going back for a while. Okay. You know, like back to the Bell
3: Witch. This happened. The Bell Witch is a very funny case. Have you Dude. ever like listened oh, to it?
0: Oh yeah, I'm going down there one of these People days. People were being slapped in the face.
3: People yeah. were being have their the rugs like pulled out from under them. Yeah, but you that's the only one where they ever killed anybody. The poltergeist. Yeah, that's true. Killed John Bell. They think it might have actually been uh, one of the daughters that poisoned him. Now you are they're you, thinking that. What do you what do you th- what do you
2: think of that that effect in uh, all our horror? Um. um you know the, mikey left his keys on the table you go in there and they're not there i go in there sammy they were right here or 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 like the 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 the, the thing that really fucks with me a lot is um uh it wasn't in drag me to hell uh, there was a couple a couple of horror movies where the chairs were all misaligned you well, leave the room nice. and, and, oh, and yeah. yeah, and then and then Mikey, then Mikey walks in and they're all back to where he should
3: be. do. You know what? The one that always, even to this day, it makes me give gives me goosebumps. Is in the <laughs> sixth sense when he goes into the kitchen yeah, yeah. and he finds all the ghosts with the uh, all the uh, cabinets, uh, cabinets yeah, are open. Yeah. She's like, "Look yeah. what he made me do." Yeah, yeah. that one is fucking scary. But, that,
2: but that's what I mean. Does that does that body say me with that? That one does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Mikey? I'll
0: tell you what. I am going down to Adams, Tennessee someday, and I'm going to go see the <laughs> Bellwitch Witch Cave. The, I want to go with you, dude. I want to check that out. When you had mentioned that before, you said it
2: reopened, right, Mike? Yeah,
0: they're open this year, and uh, they do the tours. Was,
2: so? I'm sorry, Mikey. I'm sorry. Where, where exactly is that at?
0: Adams, Tennessee, hour north of Nashville. Ooh, so that's a little ride. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's kind of out there.
0: Yeah.
2: I would, I would definitely take that ride with you, dude. What about you, Sammy?
3: Yeah, fuck yeah.
2: You know. Because cause then I could go, well, I'm
3: not going to do it because I hurt you guys' ears before, but I could do it. All right, well, the real-life family of the Hodgins included single mother Peggy and her four children, consisting of Margaret, who was 14 years old. She was tall with long, straight hair, pleasant and straightforward, but a little timid. Janet was 11 years old, who was all energy and had a habit of talking fast. There was Johnny, who was 10 years old, and then Billy, seven. They were all good kids by most accounts. But about three years uh, before the following events, in 1974, Peggy was divorced by her husband, which threw the house into turmoil when the children's father left. There was a lot of drama whenever he'd come by the house to pay his child support and alimony payments, since he regularly brought his younger, hotter girlfriend with him, whom he later married. So, the Hodgson family lived in public housing, or the equivalent of it, they called it a council housing, like government-appointed housing. In the northern London suburb of Enfield at 284 Green Street, uh, the house was not what most people probably imagine a haunted house to look like. It was like all the other houses, part of a large, large council estate built in typical 1920 style with houses grouped in pairs with alleyways in between small gardens in the front. The road was wide and the school across the road was quiet in the early evening. It looked like a friendly and peaceful neighborhood. So the start of the paranormal activity began on the evening of August 31st, 1977, around 9.30 p.m. Just after going to bed for the night, two of the children, Janet and her younger brother Johnny, started to hear shuffling sounds coming from the floor below their bedroom. Uh, The previous night, they had complained about their beds shaking up and down and going all funny. (laughs) That's what one thing to these are all like working class neighborhoods right here. They all have like the Cockney accent. You know what that is? (laughs) Kind of think of Michael Caine, like, Master Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. so peggy heard the two making a racket inquired what was going on janet told her that something was shuffling about and thought it sounded like a chair in the room so peggy took it downstairs and returned to the room when she told them to go to sleep and shut off the light she too heard the shuffling sounding like someone moving across the floor in slippers then the knocking started the three of them clearly heard four large knocks seemingly coming from the party wall that separates the Hodgson home from the neighbors next door Then, a heavy chest of drawers just inside the bedroom door began to slide along the floor towards the doorway and out into the room, away from the wall about 18 inches. They all froze in silence before Peggy pushed the drawers back into place. The chest of drawers then moved again, sliding out and into the doorway as if to block it. This time, when Peggy tried to push it back, it wouldn't budge as if someone was pushing on it from the other side. You can see this in the the Conjuring movie when it slams into the the door. I was
2: just going to say, with the Conjuring... Uh, man when they when they put that spice in there of using the children and freaking them out or something happening in their room that effect is so much better than an adult I don't know why that bothers me more' Sammy. I like that analogy they put I, that I, spice I, in yeah, I, I, cooking with spice I, 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 I don't know I don't know why they do why that affects me like that Michael like if it happened to you okay big deal but if it happened to your kid and and and, and especially if they're little and that shit's going on dude yeah Dude, I mean, that's t- that, that's like, instead of shooting somebody on the street and, and shooting a cop, because they say shooting a cop is, is more dangerous and, and means you're more dangerous because he's a cop, man, that effect is just brutal. But with these kids, man, Rare Mikey, analogy. Mikey, if, if, you, yeah. if you've seen your drawers... Come out of the out of the dresser and 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 you put them back in and and you know next thing you know Beth comes in and they shoot out again. I ain't going back in there.
0: I should do that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> and make a little remote control with it or something.
2: I'd I'd have one, but it probably hit me in the stomach.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: so after gathering the whole family downstairs, Peggy decided to take everybody next door to the home of Vic and Peggy Nottingham to avoid confusion. Mrs. Nottingham was called Peggy next door by the Hodgins. Vic was a tough and cheerful man in his early 40s, a builder specializing in roof work. And I would say the same thing about Vic. They're like, he wasn't fucking scared of nothing, mate. I'll tell you. He goes in there, he glassed that fucking poltergoss. Fucking right across the face with a beer bottle, mate. Poltergoss.
0: Love it. Isn't Hodgson the last name of the the singer from Supertramp? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Goodbye, stranger. Mike, Mike, it's been shut, nice. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> I, Hope forgot, you find your
3: I forgot to say what made me laugh from our uh, our prison episode was um, that movie Starred Up. It takes place in there. They're all saying. Pussy holes all the time. They're like, you fucking pussy hoe, mate. Fucking I, I did pussy watch house.
0: it. I did watch it. It was okay.
3: It was a good one, yeah. <laughs> so uh, back to the story here. Peggy next door was unusually young looking for the mother of a 20 year old son, Gary. Gary with two R's, by the way. That's not a typo. Gary. And yeah, Gary. <laughs> and all the Hodgins loved her, especially Janet, who had virtually adopted her as an aunt. I'm sorry, especially... Oh, my God. I know you would say there was some bad teeth going on in this.
0: That's
2: the big book
0: of British smiles right there. Oh, my
2: God. Vic Norham, he'll fuck
3: you up, Mike. Don't talk about his teeth. I could put a hand puppet through those (laughs) teeth.
2: Come on.
3: Holy
1: shit.
3: So after listening to what had just happened to the Hodgson's, the Nottingham's didn't believe a word of it. Vic and his son, Gary, with two R's, searched the Hodgson's place and found no one hiding or any animals around. So that's when the knocking began again. All three of the Nottinghams clearly heard four large knocks coming from the outside wall. They checked outside, but there was no one in sight. Back inside the house, the knocks seemed to follow Vic around, and when Gary put his hand on the wall during one outburst, he said he could feel it vibrating. There was a hollow sound to the knocks, and they thought it sounded as if someone was behind the wall trying to get in. So uh, not knowing what else to do, Peggy next door called the police. And uh, one weird thing is they would say, like, you know, people later on would say they would be downstairs in the living room, and right above them would be like a carpeted bedroom. But it would sound like someone knocking on, you know, hollow wood, like the like the carpet wasn't there. That wasn't oh. that wasn't
2: knocking on the wood. That was his tongue trying to get between them faces. Holy crap
3: You're gonna be hung up on some I bad kn- teeth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> say that's uh, <laughs> I also haven't put a picture of the gorilla.
3: <laughs> I haven't put a real good picture of Janet smiling in here either. She's got some teeth that you're gonna like uh, later on. Man.
2: <laughs> I mean, Sammy. Where do you get these pictures with these guys with the tufuses?
3: The real life. That's what it, this is. I don't know.
0: Saskatoon and sarsaparilla. <laughs> you know what was
3: funny? I think it might have actually been about this case, but uh, <laughs> on uh, what is it? Last podcast on the left, they say that uh, the Warrens and everyone like in these cases all seem like Pixar characters in real life. <laughs> Okay, so Constable Carolyn Heaps and her partner responded to the call. They listened to their, their story and searched the house. When Vic shut off the lights, they all heard four large knocks on the wall. Then after two minutes of silence, four more knocks from a different wall. Constable Heaps stayed with the family in the living room while her and her partner went and inspected the pipes in the kitchen. Johnny then pointed to one of the chairs by the sofa, clearly visible in the light, now coming through the kitchen door. So no one was touching the chair, but it was wobbling from side to side. Then, in full view of most of the eight people in the room, the chair did exactly what the chest of drawers upstairs had done earlier. It slid along the floor towards the kitchen. Constable Heaps estimated that it moved about three or four feet, and although she immediately examined the chair, she could not explain how it had moved. Let's uh, hear her talk about it for herself. This is from the BBC documentary on this, by the way.
4: It um, came off the floor, or
3: nearly a half inch, I should say. And I saw it slide off to the right about three and a half to four feet before it came to rest. Um, I checked to see whether or not it could possibly have slid along the floor. I placed a marble on the floor to see whether or not the marble would
4: um, go in the same direction as the chair did. And it didn't. It didn't roll at all.
3: Um, I checked for wires under the cushion of the chair and I could find no explanation at all. Yeah, and her partner looks like he's being held at shotgun point uh, or something. You know what? I was, (laughs) I was, I was mighty sideburns right there. Can you believe this? First, they gave me a woman as a partner, but
2: but Sammy, you know what?
3: And Now we're talking about fucking ghost, (laughs) (laughs) mate.
2: I'll tell you one thing: she did a fucking excellent job explaining that man. She 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 made me believe her but at the same time i'm watching this guy and it looks like he's he, he does he looks like he's afraid He's in the <laughs> trance or something. yeah
3: i he, was surprised you don't hear about everybody you know police just dropping doing experiments yeah, right there she dropped yeah. marbles on the floor yeah
2: i mean i mean who would think of that who would think of that you know so so i i believe i believe her I constable police woman what, whether, caroline no hates. whether whether it's false <laughs> or not she made me believe
3: huh? holy crap yeah, so by now it was well after midnight, and the two constables explained that there was nothing really they could do. Uh, no one was breaking the law, and if something invisible was breaking the laws of nature, then that was a job for the scientists. However, they promised to keep an eye on the house for the next few days. They kind of do this funny in The Conjuring, where the, the chair just moves along the floor, and then they cut to straight to them walking out of the house like, Well, nothing we could do about that now. Yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and it was all that old man, right, Sammy? Was yep. he an old man that was in that chair? Um yes
2: it was one, he was being controlled by Valak ah, the nun yeah who <laughs> that chick just scares the shit out of me? Even without her makeup, man, she's an ugly woman. Holy crap! <laughs> <Bonnie> <laughs> Arons.
3: Becky, oh. Becky Hodgson, are you talking about the, the, on the picture here? No, 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 no the, the, I'm sorry,
2: very yeah, not. Well, this lady bad. too. What the hell? Look at her, man! Oh my yeah. god, dude, it looks like a good elephant sat on her face. <laughs> look at the kids. Oh my god, that one right there sucking her finger. Dude, <laughs> well, they're, scared.
0: They uh, scare. they're scared. They were scared. They were
2: scared. I know, but yes. dude, look at her. look at the kid holding his hand by his. But well, Cell, on the other yeah.
0: hand, is a prize. That's Right.
3: (laughs) So when the police left, no one wanted to go back upstairs. So an improvised bedroom was set up in the living room. Nobody slept much that night, and Peggy said it reminded her of the Blitz, mate, when that man Hitler was in
1: power. (laughs) (laughs) The Blitzkrieg.
3: Yeah. So in the morning, all was normal until somebody or something started flinging marbles and bits of Jimmy's Legos around. (laughs) Yes, uh, they were shooting them as if they were from a catapult. They would zoom out of thin air and then bounce off the walls or drop straight to the floor as if they had come through the ceiling.
2: I think they'd be better if they were hitting the kids.
3: They were. So again, Peggy turned to her neighbors for help. Vic and Peggy next door and Peggy's father, named Mr. Richardson, came to see what was going on. As Mr. Richardson stood in the kitchen, two marbles flew past him at tremendous speed and slammed into the bathroom door at the end of the hall. He then picked them up and found that they were burning hot.
2: Sammy, you don't be Legos funny. Legos from hell. Sammy, you don't be funny. is if fucking Mike decides to walk in with his big ass and all a marble shoot towards his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this ain't
3: funny, you motherfuckers. Well, that's what they talk about in the book Poltergeist. Like, you know, in, in this day, in, a, in the 70s, oh. it was Legos and stuff. But back in, like, the Bell oh Witch God. days, they were finding stones and pebbles yeah. from, like, the oh. local lake that right. was coming there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> So the police looked in again, as promised, and the male constable, a kind of fatherly man, had a chat with the children. He explained that it was just one of those things and there was no need to be frightened, but they were frightened, and once again, the Hodgson's spent the night in their living room. The following day, the marble and Lego bombardment went on, and the day after that as well. So less than a week later, at the insistence of the Nottinghams, they contacted the Daily Mirror, thinking that if the police couldn't help them, that maybe the news could attract someone who would. Good, Mike. Good, Mike. Go ahead, big guy. Oh,
0: oh. oh, yeah. Elvis Presley's dead, baby.
3: <laughs> we got a picture of the Daily Mirror. The headline is Elvis Presley is dead, right here. Was yeah. the king of rock killed by drugs? Died on the toilet. Most definitely, he was killed by drugs.
0: Oh, yeah. He was doing quaaludes and all that oh, shit. Oh, man. He, hey. was, he
3: was doing everything.
0: <laughs> killed by a ham sandwich, baby. Yeah, you know, you know what, <laughs> no, no, you know what, Sammy? I know. You know what, Sammy? You know he could
2: never sleep? Yeah, that's why he that, was that, on all those. Ludes. Dude, right there is a horror nightmare in itself. Could you imagine that, Mike, not ever being able to fall asleep?
0: You'd turn into a zombie.
3: Dude. Mm. So the paper uh, sent reporter Douglas Bence and photographer Graham Morris out to the house. And after spending all of Sunday evening in the house with nothing happening in their presence, they left the home around 2.30 a.m. on the morning of Monday, September 5th. As soon as they left the house, the Lego, Lego attack started up again. The Nottinghams were still in the Hodgson's house, and Mr. Richardson ran out into the road to call the Mirror Men back. Morris grabbed one of his Nikons and ran back into the house, Ben's following close behind him. Standing beside Peggy in the kitchen doorway, Morris saw something out of the corner of his left eye. Peggy ducked, and a microsecond later, something hit him hard just over his right eye. The only two people facing the camera as the brick flew across the room were Ben's, whose hands were in his pockets, and Peggy next door, whose arms were folded. Unfortunately, Morris didn't catch anything on camera. So a senior reporter named George Follows at the Daily Mirror was impressed by his colleague's account of their visit. So on Monday morning, he decided to see for himself taking photographer David Thorpe with him. (sighs) <sighs> Follows listened to Peggy tell of their experiences again, and then told her that he didn't claim to be an expert, but he'd done a lot of reading on the subject, and he thought what they had was a poltergeist in their house. He also asked if Margaret had gone through puberty yet, and had yet to explain, w- and, uh, I'm sorry, he had to explain what that was to Peggy, to which she said, uh, yes, back in March. So one thing, it was weird that Peggy didn't know what puberty was. <laughs> What like, the fuck does it have to do with poltergeist activity? I don't. Well, uh, they say that a lot of people going through puberty are uh, like the start of poltergeist activity. Oh, give me a break! Yes, that's true. Poltergeist activity is more prevalent than those going through puberty. What? <laughs> what? I was. was, just, fun, I was they they I, asked Peggy. She said, "Oh, you mean on the rag? Yeah, she's on the rag for sure."
2: I was just. I was just hoping that like an old granny lady would come in and the brick would hit the old granny lady. So that's why <laughs> that, I was laughing. That's
3: ba- basically Peggy. A Lego brick. Yeah, dude. You saw what she looked like. They said she was 21 years. Old in those pictures, yeah, okay, not that lady <laughs> that had to have been their grandma. No, okay, that's why I was laughing, dude. I just pictured this old lady I think walking She was in like 50 <laughs> something when this was happening. So, uh, follows then slipped in a trick question asking Peggy if she wanted to move. The Hutchins, like I said, were on the equivalent of public housing, and sometimes families would say that the houses were haunted to try and get placement in better homes. Peggy replied that no, this had been her home for 12 years, it was the only home she and her kids had ever known, and she was not budging. Um, and that was what convinced Follows that the Hodgsons were telling the truth. So, trying to help them, Follows said that he was going to call in the Society for Psychical Research, and Peggy fainted. After she woke up, he learned why she had passed out. Uh, Peggy misunderstood him, thinking that he was going to call a psychiatrist. You see, the local child welfare psychiatrist had apparently been responsible for having Johnny Hodgson sent to what Peggy referred to as a, quote, residential school. but was, in fact, a school for problem children. Yet neither the psychiatrist nor anybody else had ever explained to Peggy what Johnny's problem was. All she knew about psychiatrists was that one of them had her oldest boy taken away from home. And that was all she wanted to know. They, the book, This House Goblin is Haunted, Child! Yeah, they, they just keep referencing. It's like, I don't know what was wrong with him, but uh-huh. he had to go to kitty prison. <laughs> <laughs> so Follows explained that the Society for Psychical Research would be able to help. And soon thereafter, the knocks started up again for him to witness. So the Society for Psychical Research, or SPR, dates back to 1882 when a group of Cambridge friends and some prominent spiritualists got together to investigate certain obscure phenomenon, including those commonly known as psychical, mesmeric, I'm sorry, mesmeric, or spiritualistic, and to publish results of their research. The SPR was and is a thoroughly, thoroughly re- respectable scientific society. Goddamn, can't talk today. So, according to the uh, Society for Psychical Research, eighteen eighty-two to nineteen eighty-two, a history by Renee Haynes, um, and early early members included fellows of the Royal Society, justices of the peace, members of Parliament, and even Prime Minister Arthur Balfour and such outstanding scientists such as Sir William Cook, Sir Oliver Lodge, and Nobel laureates Lord Raleigh, Marie Curie, and Charles Richet. Uh, distinguished later members include writers and open-minded academics such as Professors J.B. Hassid, Archie Roy, and Arthur Ellison. Other members, around a thousand of them, include men and women from every walk of life all over the world. So yet the SBR, though it had uh, kept going nearly a hundred years, it had lost its early crusading zeal, and in 1977, all, all too few members were ready to drop everything and go out chasing ghosts on short notice. This state of affairs had begun to concern some members who felt that the SPR was degenerating into an academic debating society. When uh, George Follows rang, the secretary at SPR had only just finished drawing up a list of members willing to take on investigations. One particular member uh, had been asking for some time to let him know of a case within reach of his North London home, in fact, he'd been getting more and more insistent as if he had an urgent personal reasons for being in a hurry to go out on his first assignment. And that man was Maurice Gross.
1: Oh,
3: uh, yeah. Oh, yes. He definitely looks like a Pixar character. He, oh, yeah. He, he nice, looks like nice he goes mustache. to work at the bottom of the Keebler tree. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: he actually looks like the guy from Wizard of Oz. The Wizard. <laughs> <don't> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got a
0: big handlebar mustache. he's That's not a home. handlebar. That is not a handlebar.
3: Well, what is that? What That's, do you
0: call it's that? It's called then? a Fruit Loop douchebag mustache. That's what it is. That's a oh, fun mustache. I got it, a that. It, it looks
3: like it's coming out of his nose, too. Yeah. Like it's, it's It gross. is, yeah. It's but, look, but look at those sideburns. What the hell? Gross. Maurice Gross looks awesome. By the way, this dude uh, um, who played in the movie, Simon McBurney, they did a really good job on him in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He looks exactly kind of like him. He If does. he was a little more yeah. bald, maybe, and yeah. had a bigger mustache, that's mustache. what that's called. That's a mustache. And if it's coming... <laughs> but you're right, though, me It looks like it's coming right out of his nose. It did. <laughs> it looks like he's breathing fire, but the fire is hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like Ed Warren, uh, Morris Gross was on the path to become an artist before serving in World War II with the Royal Artillery, he was among those evacuated from Dunkirk in oh. June 1940. In 1941, he became responsible for the guarding and welfare of Italian prisoners of war for the remainder of the war. Uh, he married his wife, Betty, in 1944, and they had two daughters and a son. Um, after the war, he became an inventor, and he filed the first of many mechanical patents in 1945. His most successful invention was the rotating advertising billboard. A couple of those in, uh, what is it, Park over there? Yeah. <laughs> Fun. So in 1961, Gross founded his own design and engineering consultancy business, which became responsible for launching many patents throughout the world. But it was a personal tragedy that launched Gross into psychical research when his 22-year-old daughter Janet was killed in a motorbike accident in the early hours of August 5th, 1976. The motorcycle Janet was riding on was being driven by a medical student named Adam Spelner when it crashed in the center of Cardiff, which is the capital and largest city of Wales. No other vehicles were involved, and the cause of the accident was never established. Speller was killed outright, while the side seat passenger, who was Maurice's daughter Janet, was rushed to the hospital, still alive, though seriously injured. Her head was swathed in bandages, and and the grosses just managed to get to the hospital to see her, though she never regained consciousness, dying at about 4.20. Although she had been wearing a crash helmet, the cause of her death was given as head injuries. So, Maurice started to put together a string of coincidences that correlated to Janet's death. For instance, the day before the accident, on August 4th, Maurice and his wife Betty were lying on a beach in Jersey, which is actually between England and France, where they were on holiday. Suddenly, Betty felt ill in a way she had never felt before. The unpleasant feeling passed her a half an hour later and never returned. And that evening, Maurice attended a service at a Jersey synagogue. It was a special service to commemorate the fast day of the 9th of Av, and he was especially asked to make up a quorum of 10 men required for this service on the one holy day of the Jewish year in which the congregation actually sits in mourning. So just a few hours before his daughter's death, and actually during it, uh, Maurice uh, Maurice was sitting in mourning. Kind of strange. So also the day of the accident was the birthday of Janet's brother, Richard. And that morning, he received a birthday card from her, which she had posted the previous day. The front cover of the humorous card showed a disheveled girl with her head swathed in bandages. The caption read, I was going to send you a bottle of toilet water for your birthday, but the lid fell on my head. Underneath this, Janet had written, and there won't be much of that left soon either. Lots of love, Jan. So that was, a. Uh, it was, by the way, this... Card might make a little sense if you realize it was the height of the great drought of 1976. It hadn't rained in like months. But the card actually seemed to predict her death, although in a lighthearted manner, her head was swathed in bandages when they saw her on her deathbed, just like the cartoon figure on the card. Janet also had drawn an arrow pointing to the word head that was printed on the card. Very weird. Weird coincidence. Yeah, what's up sometimes? Uh, Ooh, we what's up with that? What's up with that? What's up? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, about a half an hour before the accident, uh, Maurice Gross's sister-in-law Miriam had an unusually vivid nightmare—not about Janet, but her younger grandson who was drowning. Uh, Miriam learned of Janet's death at about 5:30 at night. About an hour after it happened, two hours later, she went to visit Janet's brother and older sister. and just before she left her home, she noticed that a rotating pendulum clock was working, although it hadn't for over a year. When Miriam and her husband arrived home at about 11.30, the clock was still ticking, but the following morning, they got up to find that it had stopped in the night at 4.20 p.m., the hour of Janet's death. Okay, that would freak me out. <laughs> so Janet's funeral was set for August 7th, the day before. Morris's extreme grief at the sudden loss of his daughter was tempered with a strange feeling that too many coincidences had already been connected with it. Gross found himself wondering whether Janet, if she had somehow survived her physical death, would send him a sign um, of some kind on her, the day of her funeral. He had read widely on the subject of psychical research for 40 years, and he knew that such things had often been reported. It hadn't rained for several weeks. Like we said, it was a great drought of 1976. And Gross thought uh, to himself that it would be a suitable sign that maybe a drop of rain from her would be a good sign. Um, He said nothing about this, even to his wife. But the following day, he woke up, went to his first floor bathroom, and looked out of the window and could see that the roof of the kitchen, which extended out into the garden directly below the window of Janet's room, was soaking wet Uh, with everything else he could see as far as he could see was bone dry. The drought of 1976 lasted well into the final week of August, and this coincidence was all the more striking because Gross had specifically asked for a drop of rain, and there it was on the roof right below Janet's bedroom window. Nowhere else. What do you think? Is this all coincidences? or? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You think? So many of them? I think they said there was 10, nine, ten occurrences that's, here?
0: That's a bit much.
3: So what about uh then came the episode of the candles um after a jewish funeral it's customary to light memorial candle on each of the seven days of mourning the glass tumbler candles are specifically designed to not go out and they normally burn for well over 24 hours in the evening of august 8th gross lit the first candle for janet by the following day it had gone out although there was plenty of wa- wick and wax left there were no droughts um and neither gross nor his daughter Marilyn, a chemistry graduate could give any explanation of why it had stopped burning. He took another candle, checked it kerf- carefully, and lit it. But by the next morning, this candle too had gone out for no apparent reason. And exactly the same thing happened again and again for the next three days. Before the remaining four days of the morning period, all the candles burned as they should, and all were still alight when Ghost Gross went to remove them. So maybe it was Janet putting them out. I was just going to say that. No I was. Right. I was just going to say that
2: it could have been one of those knuckleheads.
3: No, no, th- we're talking about this is Maurice's daughter, Janet, who had died, not Janet from the uh, from the Hodgson's home, which is a weird coincidence in itself, you know, kind of like a great magnet type deal. Yeah. Something we'll talk about a little later, actually. So <laughs> Maurice thought there had to be a limit to the number of coincidences that could be expected by pure chance. There had been eight already. Betty's sudden illness, the unexpected memorial service, the birthday card, the rain, Marion's nightmare, and the candles. The clock episode had Morris known about it at the time, when it made nine. Uh, Gross had a very strong feeling that Janet had not entirely ceased to exist, and shortly afterwards, he wrote down an account of all these events, sent it to the Society for Psychical Research, and applied for membership. It was the first time he had ever contacted the SPR, despite his long, long interest in the subject. So as soon as Morris received a call from the SPR, he left his office in the middle of the day. It's like Austin Powers' call. Yeah. And within an hour follows call <laughs> from <help>, uh, <laughs> Morris's <laughs> gleaming red jaguar pulled up outside the Hodgson house. <laughs> it's a bloody jaguar! <laughs> That's kind of funny. He's like, when he gets out of the car, too, he's barely bigger than a jaguar who's got to sit, like, what, two two inches off the ground, probably?
0: Hello, Basil! <laughs> oh, yeah! Jesus Christ, he's a He's a little guy. guy. He's like, wah,
3: wah, 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 wah. <laughs> he's, he's he barely makes it to the uh like the knob on the door <laughs> he's, he he's got to be five foot tall probably <laughs> so on his first visit to the Hodgson house Maurice uh, did a, uh, three things that should be done once a researcher takes on this kind of case first he satisfied himself that the case was worth investigating at all secondly he did his best to calm everybody down and assure the Hodgsons that what they were going through was similar to what happened to others for centuries all over the world, and that although life could be tiresome for a time, it would pass. Uh, These things usually only lasted for a few weeks, if that, and quite often they just went away after a few days. Thirdly, he urged Mrs. Hodgson to become an investigator with him rather than merely suffer as a passive victim. So Morris asked Peggy to make a note of everything that happened, stating the exact time and, as far as possible, the position of those present. Despite this being his first investigation, Maurice felt obliged to present himself as an expert for purely humanitarian reasons, knowing perfectly well that every uh, that nobody in the world knew for certain what a poltergeist was or what it did, what it did but also knowing that he'd been called in as an expert and should therefore try to act like one to give the family some comfort and hope for a return to a normal life. Morris's presence gave the family some relief that there was somebody who understood where they were coming from and didn't think he were mad. So this is kind of like a situ- weird situation where Maurice kind of becomes like a, kind of a new daddy to the family, you know? He's kind of the guy that's always around. They're always going for him for help for things. So I kind of form a weird bond with him. Daddy you know what I'm wasn't
1: saying? there. <laughs> Maybe we need, we need a little. Uh, we
3: need to work in a little more of your little girl well, voice. I know Sal loves that. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> do the bell, Sammy. The what? The, the ding, 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 ding.
3: <laughs> There's none of that going on in this story. No. <laughs> so for a day or two, it seemed that he had uh, also calmed down the poltergeist. Nothing happened on September 5th, and the next uh, for the next two days were also quiet, apart from a bizarre incident reported by a teenage friend of the Hodgson girls. She said that a couple of books had jumped off the shelf and flown at her as she stood in the doorway of Janet's bedroom. Gross made a note of the incident and decided that although he had no reason to doubt the girl's word, he would have to see something like that to believe it. So only three days after his first work as an investigator, on Thursday, September 8th, Morris had his first encounter with the poltergeist. Janet shared a room with Johnny, but he was back in Kitty Prison for BD kids. So Janet was <laughs> Janet was in her room alone, the fuck alone is a around BD with, kid? a behavior disorder. Oh jeez, a BD kid! I'm mean, like, what? You never heard about the BD kids? No, they take them, no. They take a whole separate bus. It's got bars on the windows. BD kid.
2: They take a separate bus. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Con I think, Air. I, think but... I was a BD kid.
0: <laughs>
2: There's a button that electrocutes when they're too
3: Yeah, they got a guy for that. Damn. So, uh, Gross and three men from the mirror were on the ground outside the small upstairs landing that separated the three bedrooms upstairs. Janet seemed to be sound asleep when suddenly the four men were startled by a loud crash. Rushing through the open doorway, they saw that Janet's bedside chair had jumped about four feet forwards and overturned, apparently twisting 180 degrees at the same time. Nobody saw it, but an hour later, the same thing happened. This time, photographer David Thorpe saw it more move and managed to get a photograph of it as it came to rest. Janet showed no sign of movement, although after the first incident, she had woken up and started to cry, obviously terrified. So Morris decided to make sure Janet was really asleep by peeling Janet's eyelids open to find her eyeballs upturned. George Follows did the same by lifting and dropping Janet's arm. They also gave her head a push and found no resistance. As It was as if Janet was unconscious. And we're gonna see this like over and over it. border's on very weird. They're like, they're like, Morris, you tickle her fucking feet. I'll tickle on their armpits and we'll see if this bitch is faking. (laughs) They did some weird, questionable things, like put cameras in the kids' rooms without them knowing, recorded them without them knowing. <laughs> Creepy. Tickled them. <laughs> what did you, you say in
2: the WebEx podcast, when What would you put your finger in it? What is it called? An oogie cookie? or? No, cookie no. This is another oogie cookie. A wet willy? <laughs> no, not a wet willy. You, I forgot what it was. You said oogie. like a oogie cookie or something. something. <laughs> awful <laughs> waffle. Yeah, awful <laughs> waffle. <laughs> limp biscuit.
3: <laughs> Come down here and get yourself a limp biscuit. <laughs> So later that night, uh, Morris attended a meeting at the SPR and met Guy Playfair, who offered up his assistance should Morris need it. When Morris left the meeting and went to the Hodgson's, Marbles began whizzing around the room as the family was watching television. <laughs> and one of the drawers in the sideboard under the TV set had suddenly slid open. A marble came whizzing towards him, apparently out of nowhere. It seemed to have come over the heads of the children, and he was positive that none of them had thrown it. A minute later, the hanging chimes on the wall suddenly began to swing back and forth and Gross immediately checked that even when the front doorbell was pushed, the chimes didn't move at all. Becky noticed noises nor Noises coming from the bathroom and called Morris to check it out. She said, Hi, Morris, pull me finger. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, isn't, it, isn't it Maurice? <laughs> well, the, it's uh, yeah, it's spelled his name is spelled Maurice, but it's they say a uh, Morris oh, okay. Morris because of their accent, right? Yeah, Cockney. Cockney <laughs> so, um, what the whole gang witnessed was uh, the bathroom doors it started to swing open and close on its own three or four times the same time he felt a sudden cold breeze around his legs and then around his head so uh there was the most frequently m- reported phenomenon on poltergeist cases by the way was you know that swirling of cold breeze uh before he had time to write da- that one down a sudden movement in the kitchen caught his eye a t-shirt had jumped from the top of a pile of clothing on the table and fallen to the floor nobody could have touched it without him seeing them So, when the excitement had died down, the children got ready for bed. Margaret went to the bathroom to brush her teeth, but she stopped in the kitchen doorway and called out for someone to come see a mug half full of water that was sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor. Gross could not see how any of them could have put it there without being noticed, and then, as Janet went into her bedroom... A marble slammed into the door beside her, and two more were thrown shortly afterwards. (laughs) Gross, who was nearby on the landing, noticed that the marbles never, ever bounced on the floor. They would just hit the floor and stay put as if placed there by an invisible hand, or as if they were metal marbles on a magnetized floor. You know what I'm saying? Did you ever get hit with a marble? Yeah, and I'm hurt. It hurt? <laughs> so earlier, a cardboard box had shot off the table as Janet went past, and it was already becoming clear that she was the main focus of the incidents or the epicenter of the activity. Janet was always near when something happened, and this inevitably led to accusations that she was playing tricks, Although Gross was already fully convinced that she could not be responsible for all the incidents, and just a heads up, they will admit later that the, these girls did fake about two percent of the activity. See, mostly it was because they were like trying to get Morris to stay there; like they didn't want him to leave. They didn't want the investigation to be over. is what happened. Right. But that doesn't invalidate all of this. I mean, like we said, you know, there was fifteen people that had come. You know, come yeah. to see all yeah. this shit. So that afternoon, Peggy next door's father, Mr. Richardson, had met the children coming back from the park and gone with them into their house. Janet went upstairs and immediately called him. Her bedroom chair was perched on top of the open bedroom door, leaning against the wall. He told Janet to stop playing about. And he had to admit that she, he did not think that she had time to put the chair up to herself. It was very precisely balanced, and a touch from his finger toppled it over. Such balancing feats were a common feature of the case, and investigators later had great difficulty in getting the chair to stay in the position, which Janet said she had found it that day. So they all went downstairs, and Janet put some stones from the park into the fish tank to keep the two goldfish company. She carefully placed the lid of the tank and went into the kitchen when the lid of the tank jumped off, flew through the air, and landed about four feet away. So on Saturday, September 10th, 1977, the Enfield poltergeist made the front page of the Daily Mirror, sharing the whole of it with a lurid account of the death of a politician's drug addict's son. The headline on the left of the page read, The House of Strange (laughs) Opponents. So George Follows told the story as he and his colleagues, uh, the police, and Gross had witnessed it. He kept faithfully to the facts and concluded... Because of the emotional atmosphere at the house and in the neighborhood, ranging from hysteria throughout terror to excitement and tension, it has been difficult to record satisfactory data. Nevertheless, I am satisfied the overall impression of our investigation is reasonably accurate. To the best of our ability, we have eliminated the possibility of total trickery. So After seeing the story, Mark Gardner, a producer of LBC Radio's popular Nightline phone and program, decided to follow up on the story. Maurice, Peggy, and Peggy next door were then invited on as guests that night. It should be noted that Gross made no attempt then or later to contact any of the media himself, nor did he and Peggy ever ask for a fee, even though Peggy could certainly have used some extra cash. Do you think that makes it believable that people aren't asking? You know what?
2: It's not that a believable thing, Sammy. It's the making sense of this. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, first the kids, you know, say something to the cops. And then they add a little extra to it, which is a lie which which in a lot of people a lot of people's opinions, if you're lie about that, you are lie about everything else. Well, we haven't not
3: gotten into any lies yet. They haven't faked anything. Well you know, so far
0: the fact that they're not asking for money, yes does make it more credible. Uh, but I, thought I you, think so.
3: but I thought you said the kids added to that story.
0: You know that
2: they were telling the cops, you know, so they could believe them more.
3: No, nothing, nothing yet. They will admit to faking a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah but see, but, but see, point here. being, but point being, uh, you know, if you could gonna lie about that, you
2: could, you could, you're gonna lie about everything. I don't you know, know why? 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 I, I, to me, to me. I mean, just tell me exactly what happened. We'll check it. Out. Like that lady cop, that was awesome what she did, dude. You know the yeah. testing. You know she checked the couch for wires. She, yeah. you know, rolled the marble on the floor for while. Yeah,
3: dude. She found nothing at all. Yeah,
2: nothing at all. <laughs>
3: I wonder if she pulled the lever. (laughs) Don't touch that lever. (laughs) So Peggy uh, described her recent uh, ordeal calmly and simply, ending with a list of incidents that had taken place that very day. She said she was woken up that morning by a rattling noise and didn't quite know what it was. She was going to get out of bed and investigate when Janet came in and said... Mom, it's jumping on the bed. <laughs> Janet had come home from school at about a quarter to four. She went to the bird cage and sort of tapped on the cage of the bug, budgie, I think that's called. And when she did that, the bell chimes hanging on the wall began to sway. She then went out into the kitchen to get a cup of milk from the refrigerator. Peggy followed her, and one of the kitchen drawers gradually opened itself. Janet left the kitchen and a cardboard box was standing on the table with some odd things in it, and that jumped from the tabletop to the center of the kitchen floor. So it's kind of like Ghostbusters when, you know, shit's popping all around. (laughs) So Peggy next door described how she and a policeman who had come to call that morning had gone upstairs to have a look around and found an impression on one of the beds as if someone was or had just had been lying there, although she was sure no one had been upstairs since the beds had been made two hours earlier. It's kind of creepy, right? They saw the impression of someone lying on the bed. <laughs> that 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 and
2: and and uh, like in um, oh god, I just told you about that when we um, Pee Wee. No, it was in the eighties. Where to? Where she was getting beaten all the time. Uh, the entity. The, the entity. And, and, and that it, creeped me out when her boyfriend stood with her. And you see, like, you know, them sucking on her chest, and you can see her body movement Sucking on my titties dude. like <laughs> you wanted me, calling me all the time.
3: Yeah, but then we, yeah, but you know what's fucked up, though? <laughs> Fuck gotta... the pain away. No, no, he the... got, he got the, 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 the. Who is that artist? The sun comes uh, in. Peaches. peaches. The sun comes huh, in. What? Yeah. <laughs> um. The sun comes in, right?
2: And the guy and the boyfriend pushes the sun away, and he <laughs> his girlfriend with a chair. <laughs> He tried to get that ghost-like figure off of her. He hits her with a fucking chair. <laughs> whether, 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 Whether there was somebody on
3: top her or not, he didn't fucking care. He got that chair and beat the crap out of Maybe he wanted to hit her with a chair. Oh. Oh, sure. He's been watching too much WWF. Yeah, <laughs> chair shot. So after the uh, BBC program, uh, Gross returned to Peggy's and Enfield. Um uh, Although it was nearly 2 in the morning when they got there, they found a visitor waiting for them. She introduced herself as Rosalind Morris, a reporter from the BBC Radio 4 news program, *This uh, The World This Weekend. She spent most of the night in the house and showed commendable calm under fire when the action began, with Janet's f- chair flung right across the room and uh, Janet's bed started shaking violently up and down. She interviewed Peggy and Gross right after these incidents and devoted 40 minutes on her show to them the next day. Uh, That next day, Guy Playfair was in the middle of trying to book a trip to Portugal when he saw the story in the news. He remembered someone telling him that, quote, when a spontaneous cases pop up, you drop everything and go after them. So he called Morris and asked if they needed help, to which Morris gladly accepted. And on Monday, September 12th, Guy Playfair joined the investigation. When Guy arrived, he said that the the mood in the house was so tense that the appearance of a daddy longlegs sent the family into an unreasonable panic. He also said that poltergeist activity is so inherently improbable that most rational people simply cannot believe it. And when they see it and have to believe it, they find it very hard to convince anybody else that it really happens. Although he had seen it before, and even though at this point at least ten outside witnesses had doubts, he himself was so suspicious. Mike, you said that before too, like... You can't fathom it until you see it. You witness it for your right. own eyes.
0: All right, seeing is believing. Yeah.
3: So at bedtime, Graham and Guy positioned themselves on the upstairs landing after setting up a camera with a flash on a tripod in the bedroom, attached to a long cable that allowed Graham to trigger the camera. They stood in the landing for about a half an hour before Janet seemed to be asleep, and Guy exclaimed r- loudly, "All right, we're going downstairs now." <laughs> So carrying out their rehearsed routine, Graham handed the camera cable to Guy and stopped noisily down the stairs, pretending to talk to Guy and descending each stair, treading twice for each step. <laughs> so basically he wanted them to he wanted Janet to think that two people <laughs> were going down the stairs when it was just him. He would go boom 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 boom. So guy, why do you fucking let me <laughs> <laughs> So when Guy peered around the corner into Janet's bedroom, he saw a head pop up from the pillow as soon as Graham closed the living room door below. They just kind of had a silent moment and backed away from each other. But Guy said that he wanted to know that he couldn't play no shit with me. What the fuck? They kind of just had a moment where they're like, okay, I won't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. (laughs) So that same night around 11 p.m., they heard the sound of a marble fall to the floor. Didn't bounce or roll. It just made a single sound. Guy said that if someone had thrown the marble, he would have had to hear them make the noise throwing it from his position. The next night they set up three cameras with flash bulbs, and when they went to test them, none of the flashes went off. Upon inspection, it was found that they were drained of all their power despite just being taken off their chargers. Following day, um, at home, Graham recharged all three with the same chargers and found them to be working normally. This is a big thing in poltergeists too. We've seen this in the yeah. the Perron case yeah. where you know the poltergeists kind of uh siphon electricity from things. Yeah. Yeah. So on September 19th, 1977, Guy arranged to spend a night in the house, and space was cleared in the tiny box room so that he could reach the spare bed. By this time, the case was turning into a monotonous routine with the same incidents happening over and over again, with bed shaking, marbles and Legos flying about, drawers opening and chairs falling over. The following night, Guy tried uh, uh, tied Janet's bedside chair to the leg of her bed without her knowing Almost as soon as she got into bed, the chair fell over, and Guy found the wire snapped clean. Thirteen minutes later, they heard another crash, which they found to be the big armchair by the mantelpiece that had tipped forward. Peggy said that she was waiting for this, and only earlier in the day, she was wondering why the other chair, meaning the armchair, was the only chair that hadn't moved yet. Peggy had seemed to develop some kind of precognition, and when she then exclaimed that next, the bed in Janet's room would start shifting about, and books would fly off the mantelpiece. So a few minutes later, uh, four things happened at once, and three of them were clearly audible on Guy's tape recording. The empty bed shot out from the wall towards Janet. The small chair tipped over. At the same time, one of the books flew from the mantelpiece out of the uh, door, slamming into the closed door of the front bedroom, coming to a rest, standing open and upright on the floor of Guy's bedroom. The book was Janet's, and it was called Fun with uh, Fun and Games for Children. On the tape, guy could hear the book swishing over the tape recorder at great speed, hitting first the door and then the floor. He said it must have hit the door at an angle of about 30 degrees and bounced off at right angles, for there it was well inside the doorway of the other room, defying the laws of physics, basically like it rounded like two corners. Sure. a boomerang. So the fourth uh, simultaneous incident was even more strange. Janet seemed to have been woken up. She said... Look at your pillow, Mom. That shape there looks like a small hollow. (laughs) It was as if somebody invisible were lying on the bed again. And Peggy took note of the shape and said, We've got a little girl playing games with us. She said it all along. I think it's a child. (laughs) So Peggy figured it had to do with a tragic case in the neighborhood some years previously in which a man had suffocated his four-year-old daughter to death and later killed himself. Peggy had known the man slightly and somehow acquired some of the furniture from his house. She had jumped to one in hindsight, seems to be a false conclusion, and had removed all this furniture from the house a few days after the trouble began. Cold, dude. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I got one of the pillows that he smothered her with. Still got the bedding on it, no.
2: Hey Sammy, hey Sammy, grab
0: that dresser. I would, after, I would never... after I took off all the evidence type it was a comfortable pillow. <laughs> I would never buy furniture that belonged to <laughs> others, man. Like you, got, you got to think about bed bugs. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You She's like,
3: have... I'll go the bag of noise.
2: It's <laughs> not even about bed bugs or anything like that. You know, what if you were a guy that just, you know, you know, you know how many people I know? And it's we... why,
3: I, like, I couldn't buy that Gacy painting.
2: I might have some bad juju in oh, it. Oh you know? yeah, Thanks. bad juju. But but Sammy, th- there was so many women at the Height Regency that you'd hear through all these rumors. Yeah, I only shower once a week, and I wash my yeah. hair every other week. Dude, <laughs> seriously. Like, like Mikey, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, I doubt if you had because usually stagehands have to stay where they're at. But, man, I'd go down to the docks, you know, when I was working for um – encore and they'd be having the estate sale sammy and they had all the mattresses down there oh yeah dude gross, gross. i would never buy somebody else's mattress those docks dude. are filthy oh no mike it's just coming from upstairs dude
3: filthy you mean it was coming from the hotel it was
2: coming like from they the were hotel. selling the beds at they the hotel. were selling the beds to the employees for a damn good price and employees would come with their vans or their trucks or whatever Dude, no. I would I,
1: dude, Never, but, uh, I'll pay good ever. money
3: for the one
2: with the big red stain <laughs> on the middle of it. Even if you and Mikey, even if you and Mikey needed some place to stay, and and you guys wanted to stay upstairs, man, I would change them sheets that next day right away. Not because I don't trust you guys or you
0: fart or shit or pissing it. It just cause. You never um, buy a used mattress,
3: dude. You know. It's got bad guts. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's what Peggy would say about it. Disgusting. <laughs> but I think that, dude, that's cold, man. The chick would and taken
3: the rent, that dude. Yeah. I've got the bed that she died on. <laughs> Brand new, it was. Fuck you, Sal. You pussy
2: out. Pussy out. <laughs> What's a <the>
1: pussy? <laughs> 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 He's been watching startup. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. just how they talk in,
3: in the you know the working class neighborhoods <laughs> of Enfield.
1: <laughs> Shut up, sir! You put
3: out. <laughs> those are those are little kids calling you that. Yeah, really? really? Shut up, con- <laughs> <laughs> Give me your money. Oh.
2: I don't All mind right. being. Oh, I, don't yeah. mind, I don't mind being told shut up or call a pussy. But you
3: gotta call me a pussy hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Well, Guy explained to them that it could be possible that the little girl was unaware that she was dead, uh, and the long time gap between her death and trying to contact a Hodgins could have been due to the spiritualist belief that time moves differently for those in the spirit realm. After deciding to call it a night, Guy went downstairs where a few minutes later he heard a crash so loud he thought the house had fallen down. Margaret was screaming and when they went to investigate, they found the heavy chest of drawers against the wall had tipped forwards with its empty drawers sliding out onto the floor as it came to rest wedged against the big armchair at an angle of about 45 degrees. Janet said that she was looking in that direction and saw it tip over, but she also said that she heard creaks on the floor in front of the chest of drawers before it tipped over. When guy checked the recorder, he got the creaking on tape. Like someone was standing in front of it and pulled it. Oh, over. Okay.
2: Okay. That's why Mikey's favorite movie was one of the classic and best explanations of of a human being going through what you know supposedly is happening when that ceiling cracked and the two fathers were trying to get the demon out of her mm-hmm. and then the chair move and and and, and then uh the, then the one father leaves uh
0: you're speaking uh, of exorcist
2: yes and, and then when the fo-
0: did didn't
1: i say anything? you did
2: not I, i'm sorry the exorcist movie. when 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 he left and came back and and the father was dead that that was was fantastic because man,
0: you can't tell him he a heart
2: attack, yeah. He had a heart attack because he no. was taking his heart medicine, remember? The, right, the didn't even de- have a heart attack.
0: The, the demon is supposed to have killed him,
2: yeah. Mm. The demon killed him, so so you know, and gave him a heart attack. Basically, wouldn't you say he died from a heart attack? I guess so, yeah. I mean, shit, the guy was taking fucking pills and he was 200 years old, he's grabbing his heart, he probably got scared of death. But, but, but to me, you know, all these movies we see and watch, man. And all these people live through it. You you know, like, uh, come on, dude. Seriously? You mean you're going to live through some of this
3: shit? For real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Maurice arranged uh, for a group of ghost hunters specializing in photography from Cambridge to visit the house. Product manager and chief demonstrator of Pi Business Communications. And two of their colleagues showed up to show off their recently released NuvaCon camera. And for the second time that week, expensive equipment failed to function in the hands of professional operators. Guy deduced that every time that they had caught something on camera was when Janet hadn't known there was a camera on and thought that whatever this was was using Janet's sense perceptions, saying that if Janet doesn't know something, neither does the poltergeist. Which that's kind of what you see in poltergeist cases. It kind of learns as it goes on. Yeah. Yeah. But is it supposed to make sense? Who fucking cares? People are getting too much into it. (laughs) That was a funny part in Conjuring 2, by the way, when he's holding that big-ass camera on his shoulder, and he's like, it's so light and portable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Guy then went on to suggest that they had to do something to try and stop all this, suggesting that they get a medium involved with the case. Morris wasn't too happy about associating with mediums, but obliged letting Guy go about finding one. In the meantime, the activity started to take a turn for the worse. It followed Janet out of the house, and while staying down the road at Peggy's brother John Burkham's house, his wife Sylvie noted that she thought she heard footsteps when no one was near her, then a small chair by the bed where Janet was sleeping jumped a few times, the big chest of drawers did the same and then tipped over on its side, when Janet was in the living room, cushions jumped off the sofa, a TV table and chair flipped over, and then Janet was thrown from one chair while the sofa was also tipped forward. As Janet was walking through the kitchen to the bathroom, a kitchen chair flipped itself over as well. So as Sylvie was preparing some tea in the kitchen, a plastic rod about six inches long from one of the children's toy sets appeared right in front of her eyes and then dropped onto the stovetop before jumping up and onto the floor. This seemed to be a genuine case of one of the rarest of all psychic phenomenon, materialization. Ever heard some weird shit like that from any, any ghost stories, something materializing right in front of you? Yeah.
0: Uh, You you hear
3: hear about stuff like that. We did hear a little bit of that with the Perons. Yeah. A little bit. Right. A little bit. So Peggy's brother John was admittedly skeptical about the whole thing at first, but as time went on, what he witnessed changed his mind. He saw a lamp start vibrating violently before sliding across the table and onto the floor. Drawers opened by themselves, and he felt an invisible force stop him from closing his own bedroom door, which simply stuck half-closed. One day at the bottom of the staircase at the Hodgson house, John saw a light that was about 12 inches vertical, looking like a fluorescent light behind frosted glass, which burned fiercely and then gradually faded away. During the light incident, he felt dread and like there was someone <laughs> standing next to him watching him. So, the Berkham's two children had also witnessed uh, objects move and Janet being thrown from the furniture. But another new development in the case was the sightings of apparitions. The first one to see something was Vic Nottingham on the same day that John saw the light. He said that uh, at the Hodgson house, he went out to the shed, and as he came back up the garden, he saw an old, gray-haired lady standing at the back window. Later that day, Peggy saw the same gray-haired old lady, except for Peggy, uh, she appeared in the front window of the house. Creepy, right? Old hag. What
0: the?
4: Old hag syndrome.
0: But while they're awake... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The old hag syndrome is usually <laughs> when you're trying to sleep and you got you have sleep paralysis.
3: Yeah, that's why this is weird.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's all weird. So after the first month or so of the case, there was a total of about 15 people, in addition to the Hutchins, who were satisfied that the en- uh, Enfield case was genuine. There was the Nottinghams, the Burcombs, the Mirror team, the policewoman Rosalind Morris of the BBC. Gross and Playfair, that it all witnessed some form of supernatural activity. Guy Playfair started noticing that the Hodgins would report activity picking up in the investigator's absence, so he hit a tape recorder and left it running a couple times right before he left the house to go get dinner or grab a beer. On multiple occasions, he would hear furniture crashing or the family talking about strange happenings like the red chair in the living room overturning, Janet's toothbrush and mug shooting out of her hand while she cleaned her teeth, uh, Billy being hit by plastic scrub brush, tables (laughs) moving and turning over, and knives and forks being thrown from opening drawers. So after a lot of these activities, uh Maurice and Guy would try to replicate the activity, like flipping over the kitchen table and the chairs. They said it was like a huge oak table that was heavy. They'd be like, you get all nuts on, <laughs> flip the motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, so they'd be throwing the beds against the walls. They'd be fucking tickling these girls. They'd be doing all this weird shit. Morris, throw this slipper up my face. It's <laughs> the name of Sawyer yeah. today.
0: Okay, I thought, I thought this cool
2: kid was cool because they got Starsky and Hutch up there, you know, a couple other good pictures. But then I'm seeing a picture over there
3: with Donny Osmond. <laughs> I, I'd go over there and piss on that. <laughs> they do it in the movie. They got a lot of the same pictures yeah, that are actually yeah. in the house. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. They did a good job of like oh, set yeah. design on yeah. this one. Yeah. So the knocking was still a regular occurrence, and from Peggy's description, the guy he figured that it seemed like whatever it was, it was trying to communicate with them, and therefore the sensible thing to do was to let it them do let it do so. He recalled the case where a spirit was trying to deliver a message, and once it had done so through a medium, the knocks stopped. So that brings us back to Guy's search for a medium. He had just been introduced to a medium named Annie Shaw, and one of the first things he said to him was that by no means should Guy try and communicate with the poltergeist, as that would only encourage it. Instead, arrangements were made for Annie and her husband George to visit the Hodgson home. But the night before their appointed visit, there was another development in the case, when Janet started crying in her sleep. It started off as a slow cry, getting progressively worse, until she was hysterical. Guy described it as Janet being in a trance and to try and wake her up, he played his portable radio at full volume next to Janet's ear without any response from Janet. Guy feared that this could possibly be a case of possession. But when Jordan and Annie Shaw showed up, there was a brief introduction before Annie settled herself on a wooden chair in the middle of the living room and explained that rowdy entities might present themselves through her <laughs> and not to worry because George knew how to deal with them George said a prayer, asking God to bring peace to the house and remove and enlighten the troublemaking activities entities. Annie began breathing heavily and let out a hideous cry, screaming at the top of her lungs, go away! <laughs> she, she then began to laugh a grotesque cackle like a witch. That's fucked up, I think.
2: <laughs> how, how does the witch cackle, Sammy? <laughs> yeah,
0: just like that. Almost like the Joker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Come so, here,
3: my pretty. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> you <laughs> and your dude, du- Dudes, dudes, don't do that. <coughs> so George said firmly that it was time for the entity to stop. He then took a small mirror from his pocket and held it in front of Annie's face. Annie promptly turned her head and spat right in his face. So George quietly responded, Well, I've been spat by better people than you. Now look at this. <laughs> look and see what went wrong. And we'll show you how to put it right. And he responded with "Gozer, Gozer, help me, Elvie, come here." So this is where Dan Eckard got the name Gozer for Ghostbusters from. He's a big paranormal dude, and this is this is the real. This is true. He found the name
0: from this. His whole family were paranormal investigators. Yeah. They were into UFOlogy. Yeah, like they're they were heavily involved in like paranormal shit. One of my funniest the ones.
3: Aykroyd. I forget where he was telling this ghost story. Like I, I, someone filmed him, but he was like. Yeah, I woke up and I looked out the window and I saw a UFO and uh, I just went back to sleep. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is the only dude who can just sleep. A fucking UFO. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so George continued that they were there to help the spirit move on uh, where they could have a peaceful afterlife and told it to stay away from the Hodgson's. When Annie suddenly came back to normal, she informed everyone that the entity seemed to send, the entity seemed to send her around Janet, but that there were several of them. George added that this goes as a real piece of work, a sort of black magic chap. The other one, Elvie, is an elemental, and goes is using her. He's the boss. If we get her out of the way, she'll s- the whole setup will fall apart. An elemental, by the way, to spiritualists, is a low form of spirit used by the smarter ones to do the dirty work. So, this is what we see with like Bill, you know, Bill uh, Wilkins in the hus- he's he's being controlled by Valak. Okay, yeah. So, Annie and George then performed an auric healing after informing the Hodgins that the entities were drawing power from Janet and Peggy from all their quote unquote leaky and damaged auras. <laughs> <laughs> so, they suggested that there was a psychic weakness in the house from the disturbance, uh, disturbed family <laughs> condition, and that was what made them a target for whatever was around. Uh, they were, of course, talking about the bitterness of Peggy's divorce. So the Shaw's invaded Peggy and Janet to their home for further healing, which they obliged, and the rest of the week, the activity died down. But when the activity picked up the following week, furniture was flung all over the place, beds shook, sheets and blankets were pulled and ripped off the beds, and again, the knocking was heard day and night. Pools of water also began to appear on the kitchen floor, and they were about two feet in diameter, which the sharp outline as if someone had been uh, drawing it with a finger, you know what I'm saying? The puddle was also in the shape resembling a tiny human figure with his arms and legs outstretched.
2: Okay, that that would be a fucked up thing to see.
3: (laughs) So one night, Janet complained that she was suffocated by an old man sitting in a chair next to her bed. He put a hand over her nose and mouth to stop her breathing. On another occasion, Janet saw an old man that looked very much like Vic Nottingham's deceased father, a man who had always been kind to her when she was alive. So things are picking up right here. Yeah. So slippers, dolls, and cushions were being thrown around the bedroom so often that one night Guy attempted to control the poltergeist by removing everything from the room except for Janet and Billy's beds. That night, while only the family occupied the house, the bottom part of the fireplace in that room had its heavy iron grill sail across the room and land on Billy's pillow, narrowly missing his head. <laughs> yeah, so another night, the entire iron frame of the gas fireplace had been wrenched out of the wall <laughs> and thrown on the floor still attached to the half-inch diameter brass pipe that connected it to the mains. The pipe had been bent through an angle of 32 degrees, and the whole thing weighed over 50 pounds. During this incident, Guy had also watched a red slipper being thrown around the room, but when things quieted down, he couldn't find the slipper in the bedroom. When he went downstairs, he found the slipper placed nicely on the front doormat downstairs. So, either the red slipper exited the room, went around two corners, and down the stairs on its own... Or it had transported through the floor. The family had also bits of witnessed bits of Legos and crayons seemingly coming through the ceiling. What do you guys think about this? Okay, how would you, is it, How is it going? Is it is it you know being carried by something? Is it just <sighs> disappearing through the floor, ported? No matter
2: what, I don't know that explanation. Is is it is it a good story? Hell yeah! But do, do I think it's true? Come on,
1: I don't know. Maybe.
2: So, so, yeah. There you go with those t oh, with yes. Janet, yeah. But you don't, know though. But you don't, know throw, dudes. I mean, come on, look at Mikey. All right, he he goes and he gets two tats, and he's got to have a story behind it. Why'd you get it, Mikey? My favorite bands. Well, why, why, why'd you get those, Mikey? They're my favorite band, so you know, he's gonna tell a story with it, but with these guys here, you know, with stuff like this.
3: But Mike's not saying that the ink appeared on his skin. No, 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 no. But, but birthmarks. Yeah. No, but, yeah. Mike, no, but Mike, That's why I said they're my
2: favorite bands. That's Mike's explanation. These people here, whether whether some of this is true or not, who knows? Prove me wrong or prove me right. I want to see it. But for the for the shit to fall through the ceiling and and there not be any you know any blemishes or cracks or anything like that. Weird. And, and they're little kids. You get when you get scared, man. You look at me. I'm a I'm, I get my stories wrong all the time, and I'm 60. I'm going to be 62 years
3: old. And hmm. then what makes so you're you say maybe when someone's so nervous or scared, they, yeah, they think maybe something's happening so, that they don't see? Well, well, well it's Mixed perception. Yeah, you know,
2: or, you know, hey, Mike, turn the lights They're off. out of their wits. Mike turns his lights, Mike turned the lights off. No, he didn't, man, the lights are still on. Oh, well, you know, he got scared and, you know, blah, 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 and, and these are little kids. They're always little kids. You ever notice that? The, the most, a lot of our possessions... There movies. was plenty of adults that witnessed kids. all this. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: true, too, but, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Man, this shifted. You guys were not the skeptics before we started this series.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, but but, but, the, but the thing is, though, you know, they're, they're your kids. It's hard to believe. They're, they're, it is hard to believe, but they're your kids. You want to protect your kids? Okay, Mikey, call that doctor or call that guy that you think will get rid of these demons. You know, huh? you,
3: you'll do anything for Let's the call kids. It's called Maurice. Maurice. <laughs>
2: Mikey, phone, Some your...
0: people call me Maurice. Mikey,
2: your phone just went off. <laughs>
3: All right. oh sorry well by this point janet was having problems in school she'd been kept awake at night so often that she was missing school and often fell asleep in class from exhaustion a special meeting was held at janet's school to discuss the problem attended by her headmaster a couple of teachers two council social workers and a child welfare psychiatrist and maurice gross maurice gave them a a detailed account of what had been happening in the home and then he was asked what he felt should be done since it was clear that nobody else had any suggestions for him. All these professionals and no one knew what to do. Yeah, but what,
2: you know, somebody comes at you, whether you're you're saying that you're this or that or a doctor behind your name or whatever. What the fuck are you going to do, Sammy? I don't know. That's you, what you know, know, they were looking for has anything. It, has it
3: happened to you? Has it happened to me? Has it happened to him? I don't know. So, Morris felt that the family needed to get out of their home for a while and suggested that since Peggy refused to move, perhaps a vacation was in order, or as they call it all a day. (laughs) So, to that, the council arranged to send the whole family away for a week at the seaside town of Clacton-on-Sea. On October 29th, nineteen seventy seven. Do you know any government that would just send you on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what
0: Don't I was going That's what forever. I was going to
2: ask you before, Sammy. I'm sorry, it took me a while. So, where they lived was that was that a a family? Uh, what do you call it? Like a
3: it was basically like you know like government housing. Government like, housing. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant.
2: Yeah. yeah. So 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 it's not just one building. It's a neighborhood with little houses, right? Kinda,
3: yeah. Okay. Okay. The husband died, right? And left her two kids do... and she didn't have a uh, she... No, in the conjuring in the movie, um, he left just like this. You oh, know? he just left yeah. he just left. Yeah. But she had no job, right? And no money? Um, I'm not sure what exactly she Peggy did, but it, I know it, she she did have like a shit job. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know report, because right? because I know she was she was
2: gone a lot and the kids were like, you know, holy f- and let me tell you yeah. something, man. Out, 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 out of She's mind. like, I'll goss I
3: got the animals oh, at the fucking Sammy.
2: veterinary. Sammy, when you're a little kid, <laughs> I, I told know. you and Mikey before, when you're a little kid and your parents are gone all the time, that's one of the scariest things in the world, man. You got this, whether it's in the morning, at night, at night dude, you got this whole fucking big cave like house when you're a little kid and there's nobody around. You don't know what to do with yourself? Yeah, I'm Dude. not really sure if
3: Peggy had a, like, a full-time job. I don't think so, though. Might I don't been, think like, it, part-time. It, it, the, the, way it, the way it was in the movie,
2: it, just, it didn't seem like it. It seemed like uh. she was hunting for something to do or somebody to help her or
3: blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. I don't think she had a job, Sammy. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. We'll yeah. get back to you next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the night before they left for vacation, Guy attempted to communicate with the poltergeist by getting it to knock once for yes and two for no. The knocking came only in random patterns like fours or sevens. And after growing impatient, he shouted, don't you realize that you are dead? With that, the room exploded with at least 12 different things being thrown around, the usual Legos, slippers, books, etc. So the activity was non-existent during the vacation, save for one small incident. The children were sleeping on bunk beds, all in the same room, and one night they heard a funny noise like someone imitating a dog barking. Janet thought it was Johnny and he thought it was her so Peggy came in and told them to keep quiet but no further attention was giving to the episode until in light of the later developments it took on considerable significance now this isn't from this uh this uh, incident right here but this is what the thing the poltergeist would later sound like check this out real quick <laughs> That's that's coming from an 11-year-old girl, by the way. (laughs) Seriously? It's it's supposed to be an 11-year-old girl? That was her, yeah. That was Janet making those noises. Okay, man.
2: I'm the fuck out of there. That was most likely what it sounded like when they first heard it. I don't care if that was my daughter, my grandkid. I'm the fuck out of there. Fuck you, man. You, you, You and whatever's inside of you, have a good time.
3: Fuck you. All right. Well, that was just a little taste of the next stage, which is stage five of Poltergeist activity, which is communication. That's what we're going to be getting into on next week's episode. Sammy, Sammy, yeah. I, I, I didn't like that. Whoa! Dude, I, I did not like that. <laughs> that. That made me really scared. All right. So that's yeah, part one of our uh, Enfield Poltergeist.
2: That was I, a good one. Whoa. Dude, I don't like
3: that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of scary stuff. One of the... I will say next week, one of the... the the voice's favorite sayings is "Fuck off, you." <laughs> <laughs> it made me
2: laugh so hard. You know, I
0: think I said that every day to people. Fuck that, off, dude. you. That, that reminded me, Sammy.
2: Why are fucking demons so angry? I don't. Well, we're fuck. gonna find out why, They're Bill Wilkins, Wilkins. Why are they so angry, these motherfuckers? Holy crap! We're gonna
3: learn why next week, dude. maybe.
2: I don't know. Mikey's schedule. My, well, I don't know about Mikey's your schedule. Dead. Mine's
3: bad. <laughs> so what did you think about the first uh, installment there? Lots of weird shit flying around. Yeah. Some, apports, some ports, some disports, some apparitions. Only, it's
0: only going to get scarier, too, because I, I kind of know the history of this event. Yeah. And- The shit is about to hit the fan, folks. Yeah, there were some metal lines from from next week's episode.
3: Like the guy, Bill Wilkins, he says, "I'm not a heaven man." I I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't, Sammy,
2: I don't like when you when you research when you research it and you you get clips like that, (laughs) dude.
0: (laughs) There's gonna be some fun interviews, especially from a little kid. (laughs) I've seen the interviews where she's she's talking like Bill. Yeah.
3: There there was a lot of them. Once you watch like some of the documentaries about this, you'll find like some ones that they don't talk about so often. Like there was one where uh Morris's son, he like he opens the door, he was just like, Let me see what Janet's doing in here. And he, he cracks the door open and all you hear is, <laughs> Shut the fucking door! And he goes, Oh! Huh! Sorry. And he goes, <laughs> like she caught him doing something. Shut the fucking door. That's awesome. There was some yeah, there's some fun shit uh, next
2: to you, you know what? I just wish there was at one point a movie was a scary movie where there was an entity or some possession. Hey hey dude, would you close that door, would you please? I mean, can't they be nice? Why uh, they gotta be so fucking mean? Fuck off you. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> fuck off. Oh <laughs>
3: Oh, so, I, I so, so until next week, fuck off. Fuck off. Yep. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you uh, next time. More Conjuring and Warren's uh, uh, episodes coming. So enjoy. We'll see you soon. Have a good fall. Bye. Later.